0: Please don't take this person out Would you politely go to hell Get the fuck out of my way Cause it's been one of those days What's up, player?
1: do 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 Call the cops, there's a plant singing
0: That's the name of the van, you freak
1: Aren't you like Mr. Bean? Mr.
2: burrito. I find you so asexual Use it, use it Don't me, Frankenstein
1: Tape. It's the fastest hour in podcasting. This is Never Not Funny. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Pardo.
2: Hello, everybody in DDS. Welcome to the program, episode 2713 of the award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny, part of Misfit Toys. A little comedy co-op going on with some great people, Jen Kirkman, Mike Schmidt, the former third baseman, Doug Benson, Todd Glass, good people, good shows, good meals, uh hopefully everybody had a nice weekend and uh, i guess by the time you hear this it's uh wednesday night going on thursday hopefully everybody had a nice weekend and a nice uh, beginning, uh, beginning of this week uh right a little stutter step uh into the week right what's going on should we be locking down should we be going out and having parades where are we at right now <laughs> right is macy's gonna have that parade they certainly are not i think they called that back in july that they weren't gonna do that but I can still see some assholes lining the streets, wow. hoping, looking up at the sky,
1: hoping to see some Snoopy floating by. You know what that means. This is Gimbles' chance. <laughs> Gimbles gets a chance, gets back in, huh? Finally, back in the game. Um, what?
2: Uh, who Who would do it? Is there? I guess, Walmart? I guess Walmart's been doing the right thing lately, right? They're not uh, trying to uh, be evil. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, but, so
3: who is not following a quarantine procedures? I guess that's about? what I'm getting so at. Who, uh,
1: well, Amazon with uh, this whole time has been uh, pretty shitty with their employees. So maybe they'd be the ones who'd uh, just go, fuck it. We have a zillion trillion dollars. We're going to do a, we're going to make a, a float the size of the moon and just <laughs> send it across the country. <laughs> Is that confirmed that they have not been good to their employees? Has that been er, er, fixed? I don't know if it's been fixed. I just remember early on in the lockdown, there was just a lot of... I mean, we all had to, you know, they had a a crazy crush of business because everybody suddenly was ordering stuff and they couldn't go to stores. And so I think their workforce was put under a tremendous amount of stress. And Mm. I don't know that they were uh, treated very fairly or... or, um, well, they were
3: already, like, you know, running around, timed bathroom breaks and all that right. kind of stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. Right, COVID, right, right. So.
1: Now listen, Allegedly.
3: You, know, you,
2: job, you, you quit. You know, uh, listen, I, I'm sick of people whining. We, we, we're, we're living in a world of whiners. Hi, I'm Adam Carolla. Um, <laughs> snap your whining. Dang, I can't, I can't even. I have, I have not heard Adam Carolla's voice in so long, I can't even do a bad impression of it. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, as as a reminder, by the way, that uh, back in March I did get the coronavirus, and uh, <laughs> that's when somebody pushes you down and forces you to listen to this podcast nonstop. So that is something I got in March, and uh, I'm recovering okay right now. I'm doing okay.
1: Well, it sounds getting like a you, third wave. The fact that you have, can't do the impression means it seems that like you're fully recovered. Maybe
0: I think
2: I am fully recovered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't see myself dipping back in unless uh, I accidentally walk past somebody that just enjoyed a, a manorita, whatever the hell they calls his. Uh, Man,
1: mangria? Is, that, is it Mangria? I think it's man- Probably man-gria. mangria, yeah. yeah. It's like a sangria I don't know, but for man. Is there like sweat in there? <laughs> yeah, because you're a man. And yeah. a man
2: it's can't just... just drink a
0: regular the beverage.
1: There's real ball sack sweat in every bite. Bite? <laughs> bite, <a> <laughs> bite, <laughs> bite of a beverage. It's, that's Ugh. the other problem with it. You have to bite into it. It's a, well, in it's really fairness, disgusting. Matt, you don't drink, so you don't understand alcohol. So you I, might I have thought really it comes like a it. popsicle. You don't know. I, I thought, it, Yeah, I thought it was like a biscuit that you've munched on. Uh, like a cookie, I mean, all, all, like uh, I, uh, I can, my, my Adam Corolla impression for years now has just consisted. And this is something that Ryan and I used to do all the time. Uh, remember back when there was that, um, patent troll that was trying to like yes. shake down <laughs> podcasting, uh, and, and we had this meeting, Uh, I don't think you were at that meeting, Jimmy. I think I was there. uh, I was not there. Representing us both. (laughs) It was at his house, correct? It was at his house, yeah. Um, And uh, for those who don't know, his house, he built his own um, little like it's like a bar but it's underground and one wall is a window looking into his pool so like and he built that himself which is insane right. uh and I, I think i've mentioned this before too because it's it's just mind-blowing it's very cool and there's a pool table in there but you could literally if someone was swimming and they dove in you could be sitting at a bar going hey there's a there's my son swimming <laughs> it's so crazy <laughs>
2: like you like you literally see in rich people's houses right. like it's, in movies it's like a like,
1: james bond thing yeah it's, it's right crazy um anyway he he summoned a bunch of us uh podcast people um and it's he a human just human tank <laughs> yes yes very much so um anyway Sorry. he just kept saying patent troll hey we gotta deal with these patent trolls and like just the way he's pronounced patent troll was funny to me and ryan and i constantly just anytime patent trolls come up we always just go patent troll <laughs> Right, right,
2: right.
1: <laughs> uh by the way remember uh, you
2: bringing that up it just reminds me that podcasting was so small at one point that we were the five shows representing <laughs> podcasting you mean like yeah. like if that patent troll came along now we wouldn't be at any meeting it would be handled by right That's you know true. audible sirius xm all these people it wouldn't be me
1: it wouldn't be you on an ottoman at adam carolla's house right yeah i'm, okay, I'm trying in to a rem- pool. i'm trying to remember who else was yeah. there i know jesse thorne was there um maybe scott or definitely jeff ulrich this was back when jeff ulrich was still running earwolf right um and uh yeah it was a it was a motley crew for sure
2: (laughs) and uh, we remember there was a little while there we were legit worried that like this guy was gonna you know win and we would all have to go holy shit you know what remember there was talk of well, what if everybody just gave him a dollar an episode? Or like there was a there was like yeah,
1: these people wanted like pleebarg go, is going yeah, around. Like right, let's just get it. Let's let's just get it out of our hair. Which sometimes you do have to do, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But luckily for everyone, there was one use of the. If anyone remembers from the nineties, the Real Player technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Real Player, in addition to being more sort of a streaming system, the, the technology itself was actually downloading something to your computer and that constituted uh a prior use from before this patent uh that was basically what this this guy was trying to patent the technology of downloading audio files to your computer which is well not like a
3: list of files in the background
1: yeah so anyway real real saved everybody's ass without realizing it um
3: who owns real now is it even a thing i don't even know if it it still
1: exists like i've i haven't seen it in years maybe someone just bought it and use the technology to build something else.
2: Um, I always liked their logo. I liked the real player logo. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, look nice on the desktop, right? You open it up. There's your real player. <laughs> you press player? it.
0: They still exist. No, no, uses only- them. Do they know this? Do they know that they're not being used? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Hold on. Let me Real go networks.
1: to. Let me open my Netscape browser and see what I can yeah. find out about them.
2: <laughs> hey, speaking of other things not being used, apparently uh, uh, Garen's Harry's razor is not getting any uh, any workout recently. Yeah. You
0: know what? I did actually just shave shave a few days ago, but it kind of grows back pretty quickly. It looks nice on you, Garen. I oh, do. thank you. I agree. It goes good with this jaw that really works for Zoom. I've talked about it a couple of times. It, uh, <laughs> you're <laughs> talked about it a couple of times. <laughs> you fucking weirdo.
2: Aaron, <laughs> uh, do me a favor with that weird uh, uh, beard that you have, take your glasses off so that could be really uncomfortable. Oh, God. Hold on. Okay. He doesn't even. Again, he doesn't look. like, He
1: looks like he should be like in one of those boy band reunion shows. Like he. <laughs> yeah. And yet, also, he kind of looks like Dante from Clerks. I don't know if that reference resonates with anybody. Oh. <laughs> I do not Wait, remember Clerks enough to.
0: Dante's the, the lead guy.
1: Yeah, the lead guy.
0: The the dark haired dude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you happy with that, Garren? <laughs> so looks no. like you may not be happy with that. I'm not happy with that. He might also have glasses but I, I don't know if he did he take them off or put them on I don't know something about you Not taking You're
0: supposed to be here today.
1: <laughs> I got to look at, I guy. I now have to look up who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, get Dante ready clerk. Get ready to uh <laughs> tell me that I was being unfair. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if you are. <laughs> you're looking I at don't him? know if you are. I mean there's some bad pictures of
2: him where I uh, I would think you're being a dick. Yeah. But The way he looks now, I mean, Garen doesn't look anything like him, but in in like the... Hold on a second.
3: Back in the day. I mean, and it's right in here.
2: The publicity photo of him. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, wait,
1: how do I... And even, you know what? Even this other picture of him in some sort of a bowling shirt looks like Garen. That's what I was about to say. Like, if you don't, if you're telling me... I mean, you can just drop this in for the video clip later. But like, if you're telling me that doesn't look a little Thanks. like Garen, it co- looks a little like Garen. Come I on, I agree now. with that.
0: I, uh, I, mean, I'm not. I don't mean to insult him. I just don't think I look like him.
1: Well,
3: I mean, you've made that face before in a photo. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're insulting him, Garen. I
2: think you should take it as a compliment that Matt thinks you look like an independent movie star.
0: Yeah. All right, I'll take that. That might be a Thank little strong.
1: Well, oh, no, he was no, the star. No, that's of exactly one percent.
0: I look like a, a very famous independent film star. Someone who oh. pioneered the craft of acting in independent films. I'll, I'll take it.
2: Well, we all, uh, we wish every cast member for Clerks the best of luck. I know that one guy <laughs> has trouble talking. He's writing his name. The man doesn't speak. I mean, that so, Jay <laughs>
1: says nothing. <laughs> we know Bob. Wait, wait, it's Jay and Silent oh, Bob. Yeah, Silent Bob. Yeah, Bob.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? Jay should shut his fucking mouth, too. How about that?
1: i mean that's that's a that's an opinion that's shared by many i believe <laughs>
2: I, I think you're right is it, now is that the fellow that has the uh, hockey jerseys is that the uh, well they, is that who bob is that's or is yeah. that jay that's, uh, that's silent
1: bob. bob yeah that's kevin bob, smith
2: bob. yeah wait, bob, jay and silent bob wait wait what's the name
1: so wait jay is who's jay, quiet? jay is jason muse uh silent bob is is kevin smith He's got the trench coat, okay. but he also wears hockey jerseys a lot. I don't remember if right. Jay also wore a hockey jersey, but.
2: No, Jay, I I, even in my own premise, I confused the two guys, even though I just acknowledged yeah. who the two were and then immediately forgot who I, what I said. Right. <laughs> um, here's a fun piece of information. I'm going to leave out all names on this, by the way. Uh, uh, but it plays along with what we were just talking about. So uh, I booked a human being on this program uh, via a publicist. And uh, I remember saying, oh, you know what? I don't have anybody booked for blah, blah, date. And so it was like, oh, I'm going to take care of that today. So I'm at my computer and through a publicist, I book someone for that date. I then, I'm not kidding. I type it into our document, our Google Doc, where we have our our NNF guest list. I type it in and then go, okay, that's taken care of. Now I got to book somebody for that date. And I literally texted somebody and said, are you available on this date? And then went and they said, yes, I am. And then I went to put that name in and went, hey, ass fuck, you just booked this date. (laughs) Like it just, I was, so
1: oh my God. Moving,
2: I was so moving forward in like, okay, here's my, here's my to-do list today. Mm-hmm. That it did not occur to me that I just crossed one of the things off. It was
3: Jimmy, was yes. it your TWO do list? Is that what the problem was? Oh boy.
2: Yes. I am saying yes to that just so because sometimes if you disagree <laughs> with somebody, the conversation ends. <laughs> wow. So I say yes, period, moving on. <laughs> Uh, now, Elliot is a little uh, under the weather from what we understand. You've uh, you sent Spinch. us. And again, Elliot, there are times where I believe we've talked about, hey, maybe that could just come up nice conversationally. Uh, maybe uh, when we see you here today, you can go, hey, by the way, guys, I'm a little under the weather. Uh, so when we see an email from you, uh, that, sound, that's, that feels heavier than it is. Well, it's
3: only because it may impact uh a, a live parking lot show that i might not be able to attend if it turns but out we're
2: a week we're a week out
3: you're i don't know fine. how much time you need to figure things out i don't want you to be blindsided
2: you're uh, uh but again I, knowing that we're going to record today i think you could have you could have waited and said hey just a heads up here and we could have had a nice conversation about it uh, instead of me looking at that email, getting irrationally angry at you <laughs> and and hoping, hoping, honestly, hoping that not only are you sick, that you would die. That, that's how I felt when I read that email. Like, well, here's
1: a solution. We don't have to worry about him at all if he's dead. Can I can I float a new theory? I think you just hate reading, Jimmy. Like any time I'm uh, beginning
3: to think that because no, every- I
1: enjoy reading. I like I read books. I read <laughs> It seems like I've,
3: I've sent you several novels and you don't seem to like any of them.
1: <laughs>
2: well, they're all written by you. So imagine how fucking long those chapters yeah. are. And in an email format.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so if I printed it out and, and mailed it to you and it was bound, that would be better?
2: Maybe. I wouldn't
1: mind you sending me some uh, letters, some written, uh, some written letters. I just it seems like you get angry when you have to read more than five words at a time. <laughs> No, that's, I'm going to
3: support Matt's, uh, that's Matt's un, assertion. That's
1: unfair. That's an unfair statement. I'm willing to be and make fun of myself and be self-deprecating, but that's an unfair statement, and I will not tolerate it. Well, it was it was built on the premise that you get mad at every single email from Elliot, so it was really trying to make fun of him via you. Uh,
2: okay, I accept that, and I will <laughs> nice, agree with Matt. that. That what? Yeah, nice,
3: nice, nice
1: sidestep. <laughs> and uh, let's go back to this, right? I mean. That... <laughs> That's, that one really looks like Garen. Yeah, that, that's Garen. I, I don't care what you you can tell me what you want. Like
3: I say, if you look at the t- if you just look at the eyes and the eyebrows, that's the part that looks the most like him. And I'm telling you, you,
1: you look like a young Dante. Version like, of that. That, yeah, yeah. You don't look like current. Right. I don't know what he looks like now, but I, I guarantee you, you look better than him on <laughs> in 2020.
2: Uh, I agree with that based on what I've just saw on the internet. But if you were to if you were to show me that black and white photo that you just showed me and yeah. said, "Hey, did you see this picture of Garen in 1994?" Right, and you go, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that him yeah you know because i mean, Cause, I mean yeah, we, we all look different than we did back in the uh, 90s mm-hmm.
1: right except the, uh, the only problem maybe maybe garen couldn't grow facial hair in 1994 yet but i'm not sure about that <laughs> but yeah i get your probably. point you know 1998 99 when, when did you start growing uh facial hair garen uh
0: when did you start shaving uh, that's a better question 2021 <laughs> uh, 2020 i don't know I probably 96 97 16 17 probably mm-hmm. you
2: yeah. know I think it's best just to answer questions sometimes.
0: <laughs> sometimes try to make a little joke about it. Yeah, you know what? It
2: was just words, man. And we I, we just learned I don't like more than five in a row. So <laughs> ah, shit. if there's a way to avoid any of that, that would be helpful on my uh, We're also starting our show today a little bit late uh, mm-hmm. in the afternoon. And that's... Uh, that's weird. It's weird uh, I, when your body is I, yeah. used to starting at a certain time on a Monday.
1: I, I admit I don't like it, and this was because of me, and I apologize now. That is I, this soccer? If this is soccer-related, I swear to fucking God, man. <laughs> it's 100% soccer-related. But here's the thing, Jimmy. The the U.S. national team, they, they hadn't played since February 1st or something, and they finally got to get back together for a camp they played on thursday we were record the two t- they're only playing two games thursday and monday both times when we we're recording so thursday i said i'm gonna record it and then i'm gonna block out the world luckily nobody gives a shit about soccer so <laughs> very easy to avoid any spoilers and then uh a couple of friends of mine and i who they also had conflicts we all watched it on delay together and uh and then but then for today i was like you know what because i did that maybe monday and i said like if you guys can't switch it that's fine but i thought if you guys could switch it I, i'd be i'd enjoy watching the game today live and i'm glad i did because they won six to two and it was very exciting
2: and did you and your buddies uh, watch this all at the same time
1: again uh, socially distant <laughs> style and, and then when do you guys jerk off on the bread and eat it when does that all happen <laughs> so unfair <laughs> so unfair just a just a couple of uh, three middle-aged men enjoying each other's uh, just on a piece of bread enjoyment of soccer and, and and yeah and maybe maybe look we're all in different places it's just so that you can text it's it's you know jimmy well you watch baseball but you watch it by yourself isn't it more fun to watch it with other people who also enjoy it
2: i will tell you this when the chicago cubs were in the world series I was texting with our friends. Uh, I had several different uh, text chains going. One with Michael Glenn Schmidt, the former third baseman, mm-hmm. and one with uh, my mom, mm-hmm. and one with Anthony Rapp and Munish. Yeah, and it, it made it a thousand times more fun. Yeah, like I was basically here alone. Danielle was tolerating that it was on and me yelling and screaming and, <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, and then it went late into the night and so on and so forth. But it was fun to have that little yeah little, uh, it, exchange. It, it, it's it's interesting because it's. I guess it, I mean, I, I never thought about it before, like watching games in person with like if you're sitting in the same room as people watching it, that's fun. But there's something about like being able to watch and then text when you feel like it and then and then read the texts when you feel like it. And you're not like you're not beholden to the time frame of the people around you talking in your ear or whatever. So it's it's kind of a nice uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting way of uh of of enjoying something communally without uh, but on your own terms a little bit i uh will
2: agree with you uh
1: on that topic but it also
2: leads me to this topic because daniel and i were talking about this recently because somebody was live tweeting out about their situation comedy a cast member was doing that and i can't think of anything more distracting than that it's like i, I want to yeah. watch the show i don't need to know hey uh, quick fun fact uh Ah, uh, Tony had a sandwich right before we did this take, and <laughs> and then finished his sandwich when we were done. Great! I, 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 while that's somewhat interesting, might be somewhat fun and interesting. I I I'm then taken out of the show.
1: Yeah, right. that always drove me nuts. With um, AMC used to promote their like, join the second screen experience. I can't right. think. By the way, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I can't think of shows that I would. Like there are no more like focus intensive shows in the world, yeah, that, like right. that, that you need to pay attention to, and can't be like what you what are you what are you looking at something else for during these shows that someone they worked their asses off to make it so rich with detail, and now you're going hey what's Johnny think about it? <laughs> right, you know. Daniel brought that up too about the same thing. Like, uh,
2: like why are you telling me not to focus on your show? Why yeah, are you telling yeah. me? That your show's not worth watching unless I got, you know, a cast member telling me what uh, other stuff. It makes no sense. It's crazy. And why,
0: why don't they save that for reruns? Yeah. That, where they can boost viewers. That, right. That's reruns. a great
2: idea, Garen. That'd be smart. And
0: also they don't spoil the show that some people might not be able to watch because, right. you know, Brian Cranston is tweeting about how he blew somebody's <laughs> head off. That's.
2: Yeah. that's the other thing like you're right if, if you're on a plane or something and you're going oh i can't wait to get home to watch breaking bad oh but i'm on a plane i'm gonna kill some time looking at twitter and then you're right there's brian cranston uh, 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 funny uh, story it took nine takes for me to <laughs> whack this guy's head off with the machete <laughs> all right well i guess we got that taken care of <laughs> another
1: one saying stop live tweeting you pricks <laughs> I mean, I guess they do it because it works. Like with a sitcom, I I don't agree with it, but I sort of get it because a sitcom you can kind of listen, you can get ninety percent of it with your ears and still be looking down. I
2: still, I still want to escape. The whole reason for me watching it know, is to
1: escape for twenty two minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely. I mean, agree. if that's
3: if that's what you want the show to be, then then it should just be part of the show. you know
1: how horrible would that be though
3: it would be but if if the show was designed yes i agree so therefore you're not you're not trying to figure out what the poster means in the background or anything because somebody's gonna just tell you
1: by the way uh go ahead i'm sorry no sorry uh i was gonna say i'm already dealing with the fact that uh my children mostly charlie but zoe a little bit too still haven't learned like like elise and i will watch something and you know you know in a in a moment you know like i can i can say one little thing here without disrupting the show and it it might be a funny little thing or just an observation and then the show keeps going and nobody misses anything my kids do not have not mastered the fine art of that so they'll just start talking and it's like we are missing the entire fucking scene because of this like will you just wait until no one is talking on the screen and then quickly say what you're gonna say and then get right back out like it's such a a weird thing that i never i never thought about until we started like watching shows together it is
2: we uh uh in fact i yelled at all yelled at oliver one night like will you stop talking and he's like you and mom make comments it's like it's that we make them in the little <laughs> yeah and then I, I was like we make comments you give a paragraph like it just- <laughs>
3: yeah
2: and this is maybe a year or so ago and it doesn't really happen all that much anymore but uh yeah uh it's still maybe every now and then does but uh and it's and it's hard because when you have two you know sarcastic comedians watching something yeah and i i try my best not to talk during something but then it's like uh, Oliver, stop talking. Really? You haven't shut up, Dad. Like, you, you know, he doesn't say that, of course, because he knows he'd get the fucking back of my hand if he did. <laughs> but uh, it. Uh yeah it's he's he has to be
1: confused as to what he's allowed to do but it right. is it's there are because also charlie will literally jump up turn around turn his back to the t- television and then start like doing a big production of something right. I'm like, hey man this is so far beyond what we're doing like we're, we're we'll, be, we'll be like nice sneakers asshole and then that's it <laughs> and he'll be like the guy was the thing and then here's what's happening and it's like okay oh boy and I mean, oh. I love it. I, I, I relate to it. I, I'm sure I was the exact same way when I was a kid, but it's like, man. You know, I think about it again. Uh,
2: I'm I'm very, and Matt, you are too. We're very lucky that our kids are good kids and they're creative and they're interesting and so on and so forth. But there are times where Oliver is talking or he's on a jag or something. <laughs> and I'm just like, how did my parents not murder me? <laughs> like, I, I just, I can't imagine like, because the, there's times where it's like, He's a good kid, and he's kind of driving me nuts at the moment. Yeah, imagine. I was I was a good kid, but also uh, kind of annoying, and so I can't imagine like my dad going. Uh, he had to be in his head going, well, "You shut your fucking mouth! <laughs> shut up! Shut up!" <laughs> he had he had to be. He, there's no question. Yeah, a 37 year old man is not going to tolerate some teenager who won't shut his goddamn mouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he never said anything. Oh, he's a saint.
3: No. i Satan, mean look we, I, i've
1: it. done it for almost 15 years so i i guess uh, he and i have something in common isn't that fun,
3: <laughs> <It>
2: is <laughs> that fun. listen if i didn't stop talking buddy, you'd have no fucking career so you that's fair I, i'd Very watch fair. the way you're fucking talking today a lot of swearing today i apologize for the language
1: uh, yeah well i, I feel like another maybe i don't know if it was the election but i was editing a, an episode last week or something and i was like man we are just all over the, like you and me. And I don't know about, uh, Karen and Elliot, but we, you and I were definitely F bombing the hell out of this one. I was like, what is going on today? I will tell you this, that I was listening to another
2: podcast recently where they, uh, were swearing. And I, it was like, it, it, it's distracting. Uh, for me, it was anyway. And, yeah. uh, so I, of course, was uh, then, you know, it's time. I'm going to do another way. We, we don't swear anymore, guys. And what, what did I last? Six minutes on the show. <laughs> I didn't even say I didn't even uh, did the the precursor of nobody swears anymore. I was like in my own head. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to I'm going to try to not say fuck as much. And then here it comes. Mm-hmm. Rat-a-tat style. Where's this light coming from? Uh, uh, yeah, right in front of you. I don't know. Right there. All right. Uh, again, we're doing this in the late afternoon on a fall day where the
1: sun's already uh, dipping into the ocean a little bit anyway big win for the u.s men's national team oh good for you man congrats to them. <laughs> it's an exciting time you guys if 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 you anyone out there if you care at all about soccer and the united states the, this is a this is the perfect time to get involved because we had a, a very exciting talented young group of guys
2: well let me, let me there are times where i have a doctor's appointment or something like that and i ask hey can we start at a certain time or can we be over at a certain time uh so i will never if somebody says hey can we start late i will never bust any balls because there, at some point it's going to come uh, where the white Sox are going to be in a playoff and i'm going to want to watch that game mm-hmm. and uh i'm going to say hey, can we start a little bit earlier a little bit later
1: and uh and now we know we're going to <laughs> say, there's the answer i never have. i do to. i never have a problem with that never <laughs> Um, the problem is these soccer games are on in the Europe. So there it's like, it's eight o'clock there and it's noon here. So that's why it's all like it. Usually most sports take place on the weekends or at night. But, uh, if you're halfway around the world, it gets all messed up. Hey, yeah.
3: They, their weekends are on different days. I know. <laughs> Come
2: on, man. Elliot. I don't, i just said, we don't want to swear anymore. Don't fucking make me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of times and, and trying to figure them out, believe it or not, I have, believe it or not. I actually have a segue on this. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so uh this t- people were twittering tweeting out about an earthquake that happened last night mm-hmm. and uh in i want to say loma linda maybe is that possible and so i was like i that's weird and then it's like and then i i went to the quakes site and you know they use that uct time where that the uh, universal time and then you got to figure out where you <laughs> live based on that right and so last night i was up at around one thirty in the morning i couldn't sleep i was watching some mary tyler moore and and I said, holy shit, that's an earthquake. And then I was like, "Man, yeah, that wasn't an earthquake. There was like nothing, but it, it was like, it was enough to go, holy shit, that was an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, when I did the UCT time and figured it out, it was like, I felt that earthquake, but it felt, it wow. didn't feel strong enough to like even
1: mention, but people yeah. were tweeting out about it. It was very strange. I didn't even hear about this. Where Where is that? Where is, what is it? Yoma Linda? Is that up by Ratcho Cucamonga maybe? Loma, <laughs>
0: Loma Linda. Oh, Loma Linda. Uh, uh, San it looks Diego like orange South county Denver. is uh, it orange county east, it's not it's east riverside maybe i'm just i'm looking at a map it's not giving me exact details
2: it's one of the i think it's like i believe guys it's 94
0: kilometers away
2: from where i live <laughs> okay <laughs> oh. um so you can do that math just like the uct time you can figure that all out hey how about you uh, if you if we're doing earthquakes here in the united states how about we use you know uh, feet how about that
0: that sounds okay. good
1: or, on board? Or, or miles.
2: <laughs> Nobody's just <as> mad about <laughs> I'm a miles. I'm a fan. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's, it's 6,222 feet. Now you, I got to figure that out in miles. You're yeah,
1: right. Do what you want, but I'm going to go with miles. Uh, uh, it's one right of those that by, that by the need. time it reached us, it was like nothing. Yeah, it's it's 74 miles east in, in San Bernardino County. That's yeah, like you're like right. It's near fun. Redlands. Yeah. San Berdoo, huh? Mm
2: hmm uh but that was uh it was it was one of those like in my head like i was playing a mind game with myself like that was an earthquake yeah there, no way that was an earthquake you know it uh what? but i was i uh, felt uh uh vindicated that it was I you don't know with the argument i had with nobody <laughs> anymore, except for ted baxter he
1: heard all about it i'm a little worried oh. you were up that late though that's uh you should uh, you should be getting your beauty sleep
2: um, I don't disagree with that. I, I, you know what? I I, I I was up and then I watched a documentary
1: last night. I watched. Oh, really? Yes, I did. That's interesting. It's too bad I just turned on my iPad <laughs> uh, because I'm going to watch the one. Whatever you say, I'm going to start watching in the middle of the show. Uh, you you said you watched a documentary. You say? Yes, I did. Yes, that is something I said. Documentaries,
0: documentaries.
2: Do, do, do. Uh, I watched the Harry Chapin, When in Doubt, Do Something documentary, a documentary about the uh, musician uh, Harry Chapin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really great. It's a, re- a great documentary about, uh, uh, you know, like he, he literally dies an hour and there's a half hour left. And then they talk about all the great things that Harry accomplished when he was alive and post, uh, you know, uh, posthumously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a great humanitarian. He's the one that actually brought a lot of awareness to the uh, homeless and hungry uh, hunger problem here and in Africa. He tried to do like a USA for Africa a decade before. Wow! And uh, the politicians did not want to hear it, except for Patrick Leahy, who is still a uh, a senator. Hmm. Wow! Uh, it's interesting. It's uh, and then it's great to hear the story about the you know about the songs and all that. It was uh, it was a good documentary. Harry Chapin. What was that on? Uh, you can get that streaming. I think you got to pay four ninety nine for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was looking forward to it. That one and there's a B G's one coming out soon that I. Uh, we'll pay for it as well if it's not available for free. Um, There's my something... rationale is that we are not going to the movies, so I could afford five dollars to watch a documentary.
1: I agree. Yeah, we just we just rented Karate Kid last night. Uh, the mm. kids had never seen it, and uh, I was surprised that that was a movie that wasn't available on Netflix or something That's like interesting. that. Interesting, you know, because it's like they have Cobra Kai on Netflix now. Why wouldn't they just scoop up Karate Kid? Right. But anyway. Uh, that holds up too doesn't it I, I, I thought it was still good uh, yeah I, I don't think I literally don't think I had seen it since uh, I saw it in the theater in 1984 or whatever um, and it it's a little slow like by modern standards it's a it's two hours long and it's definitely right. a 90 minute movie <laughs> somehow it, it just gets <laughs> yeah. to two hours for like excessive montage sequences I guess but uh, yeah the kids well I don't know about Zoe but I think she liked it Charlie loved it you know it's it's exactly targeted at you know boys (laughs) and uh yeah man it's just fun and it's interesting it's an interesting i noticed that like there was one scene where after uh by the way the reason it's two hours is because the second act is literally uh daniel gets beat up 17 times in a row and he just keeps (laughs) getting beat up and then going back home and then pat Morita you know patches them back together but one of those 17 times there's a scene where it's all one take and it's like a five minute long scene of pat morita like giving uh uh, ralph macchio some tea and and like pat you know patching up his his bruise and and i it's just a for like a weird teen hollywood movie to have like this really long single take where two actors just get to do their thing uninterrupted was kind of amazing to me and I, i i kind of It's like maybe this is i don't i forget the guy's name who directed that movie i don't know if he did that much else but um but i was kind of weirdly impressed by like the artistry of that uh we uh
2: uh, oliver and i quote that movie all the time uh and here's the quote that we do uh you say something that i'll agree with matt please okay uh yeah soccer is fun i i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that is we do it all i yeah because he says that 900 times you in the movie. yeah and we uh it, it's, it's something that continues in the house and we we get a nice charge out of it yeah that's fun uh, all right listen uh that's what uh so check out the herd Chapin documentary if that's your bag it was mm-hmm. good uh and of course cobra kai is in season two and uh, so look for that um uh, <laughs> Uh Tom Dreetsen is with, uh, gonna be joining us. Tom, of course, was on part Castathon several years back. I forget what year he was part of it. And, hmm, I see um
1: so I don't think I don't head, think he's maybe? up on the wall.
3: Twenty eleven? It was an earlier one. It was Acme.
1: It was Acme. It was Acme, yeah.
3: Acme with with the the, the, the deep hole of blackness background.
2: <laughs> I don't know what that means. There it just no, means that we didn't have any walls no set, or anything. It was yeah. just
3: like just black all the way to the Oh,
2: is that right? Yeah. I don't recall that, but I do remember Tom uh, talking about the uh the comedy store strike and hopefully he will uh, talk about it again here today for those that didn't have a chance to hear that because uh, i read his book and i will say it when he comes on it was his book is fantastic and uh it deals with all of that stuff and so on and so forth and uh so it'll be good to have tom on tom dreason joining us the legendary tom dreason uh so we'll uh, deal with tom yeah we'll deal with this we'll deal with tom right after this matt the holidays are right around the corner you know that you know how a calendar works jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way Dashing through the snow, my brother. Are you looking for a way to stay connected with the loved ones during the holidays? Absolutely. Uh, well, let me tell you something. The holidays, certainly during the social distance, can be lonelier than ever, Matt. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, some folks are dealing with that with, uh, by using Skylight. Skylight is the perfect gift to connect you with your loved ones during this lonely, sad, socially distant holiday season. Uh, this is a gift that will make your mom, your dad, your grandmother, etc., Feel like he or she is right there with you during the holidays. Now listen, uh, I'm not going to see my family this ho- holiday.
1: You're you are not. No, I'm not. Yeah, it's a, it's a, everyone's going through this now. It's like how do you uh, how do you see your loved ones that if you don't live in the same house as them or maybe the same state? In my case, yeah.
2: well, and in our case, so we've spent the last couple of
1: Christmas Eves together, and uh, yeah. That's not going to be happening. Charlie is, uh, he's already talked about that white elephant thing. He's bummed out about it not happening. We have tried to figure out a way to maybe uh, figure out a way to do that virtually. And uh, we are trying to figure that out. Oh, that'd be fun.
2: Because it would be fun to still figure out a way to (laughs) get gifts and stuff to everybody, and everybody's on a Zoom and Mm -hmm. does it. Or maybe you use your skylight frame. Once you take the photographs and then you send that over. Uh, Now, let me walk you through what Skylight Frame is. It is a photo frame that you can update instantly by email from anywhere. A great way to feel close to those you love, even when you're separated. It sets up effortlessly, uh,
1: which is... Easier to do than me say, apparently. <laughs> it's, 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 it's easier than saying the word effortlessly. That's how easy it is.
2: Sending. Uh, oh, my God. They're going to they're doubling down on effortlessly. Uh, it sets up in just 60 seconds. Uh, just plug it in. Use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network and you enjoy it. Uh, sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family could just email them to your personal Skylight email address and they will pop up in seconds. Multiple people can send photos to the frame. So it's a great way to keep large networks of friends and family in touch. Now, listen, it has a black frame with a white mat. So it looks like a real photo frame that adds a beautiful touch to your to any home. Mm-hmm. Skylay frame has a gorgeous 10 inch touch screen. Uh, you can swipe through your photos with a finger or even tap to thank the person who set the photo. So Matt, if you send me a photo, I can uh, tap on something and let you know that I uh, liked the photo. That's fun. Yeah, I like that. Uh, now listen skylight frame has a 100 percent satisfaction guarantee if you don't like your skylight they will offer you a full refund uh, and you can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift import pictures of you and your uh significant other whatever you or maybe uh, in my case maybe i get this for my father yep and uh i would preload it with a photograph of me and danielle and oliver right uh, maybe
1: with him and his wife donna uh, from when they came out to
2: visit. Hey, here's a photo that you don't have. correct? Now idea. you do.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's the perfect use of this thing. It's kind of like sometimes we will take the kids uh, school pictures, you know, they get pictures taken at school and then we put those in a frame and send them to our parents for Christmas. Well, there are no school pictures this year because there's no school, uh, not, right. not in person, at least so the so solution, obvious solution would be just get the skylight frame and then we can send whatever picture of the, of the kids that we want to it.
2: Well, let me tell you something. The customers love this thing. Uh, in fact, one Facebook review said this, Matt, this is such an isolating time as we are just trying to keep my, my grandma safe and healthy. But this gives her a little glimpse of us every day. And then when we talk on the phone, she could talk to the boys about the pictures we sent. Love it. See that? So it's also giving you something to talk to your uh, to the grandparents about because sometimes that could be a bit of a slog. That is
1: worth its no. weight in gold right there. <laughs>
2: Uh, not, not in my son's case, of course, cause he doesn't stop talking, but, uh,
1: uh <laughs> but yes, for other families, I can see lots this being of kids, helpful. Lots of kids have trouble. They get, they get stage fright on the, uh, the conference call or the, the, right. The FaceTime call, whatever the zoom, whatever they're using.
2: I do know that when my mom or dad would say, Hey, you got to call your grandparents. I know, I know that I went kicking and streaming. Cause it was like, I don't know what to talk to them about. Yeah. I don't know what to talk to them about. They're 150 years older than me. I don't we have nothing in common. <laughs> right uh my grandfather by the way his uh, his famous line and if you ask any of my cousins this they, they would say hey what did grandpa pardo uh, ask you every time you saw him how's the car running kid <laughs> that that was his go-to for conversation huh uh so- now it would be uh hey the skylight frame is great i saw a picture of the car how's that running so see it would get it would eventually get there right uh, um Now, listen, as a special offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code PARDO, P-A-R-D-O. That is right. You get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame uh, just by going to skylightframe.com. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. And then enter the promo code PARDO and you will get $10 off your Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame! A better way to send a picture. Matt, Fiber Monday is uh, almost upon us. Do you mean Cyber Monday? I mean, Fiber Monday, because this is the year you invest in your butthole. <laughs> hey, OK, I'm listening. Well, hello. What's that? I'm listening. Well, hello, Tushy has the best deals for your butt this year. Don't get stuck with post-Turkey Day disaster. Protect your pipes with a hello, Tushy Bidet. Yeah.
1: Now, we, uh, we... now you have a hello, Tushy Bidet, and we also have a hello, Tushy I do. Bidet. And we, we talked about it on another ad that we... Don't like the word bidet, so we're, I'm. I decided to call them ass blasters. I don't know if I don't know if uh, Tushy Corporate has signed up on that, but I will personally be calling them ass blasters or just the Hello Tushy Ass Blaster. Well, they have not told us not to call it that, so uh... I'm going to wait until they specifically say stop saying that because they're actually bidets. But bidet just sounds pretentious and, and French, and I don't like it. Sing for bidet. That's a stick song
2: um one day synchro- one book bu- one more day <laughs> i can't even do it uh i i think you i think we should get weird l on the phone and we just do a gazillion parodies where the the word uh
1: eight bidets a week we just change yeah do all, all days to bidet all bidet parodies on album that's a good idea
2: i love the idea now listen hello tushy will cut your toilet paper by 80 percent, so it pays for itself And how much tp it saves you uh that's because with hello tushy you don't wipe it all hello tushy is your new hands-free butt buddy hello tushy uh ass blasters their attachment comes with a 60-day risk-free happy butt guarantee and a 12-month warranty so stop wiping your butt and start washing and join the millions of happy hello tushy customers right now hello tushy is the perfect gift for the whole of days I, they, I know we have been love joking their fun about. with
1: words what's they, that mean they do they, they love it but I, I was gonna say we've been jo- we are joking around but i I do want to say it's kind of embarrassing but I will say I look forward to going to the bathroom now that I have this thing it's it is so it's it's like i I love the just the technology involved it's very simple but it's very effective and it just makes me it just feels good I mean it's not not like if I it feels good physically but also like emotionally feels good to be cleaning my butt the right way and doing a cl- complete cleanup job instead of uh, I just I think back to my old self and I think what what were you doing man well you were a caveman you're an animal yeah basically
2: right this is uh, well you know what this is not unlike the caveman uh, dipping his ass in a stream <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's, uh, what, what do you what want you, oh, is... you
1: want a pile of leaves or do you want the the waterfall I want the
2: waterfall to to wipe me down now uh, let me tell you something. Uh, I've talked about this on Never Not Funny with certain medications for my back. I uh, end up getting a little constipated. Uh, And then recently uh, I was like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. I get to use the hello tushy. (laughs) Yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about when you say you look forward to using it. Yeah. Uh, Here's how the Never Not Funny fan and listener. Uh, You don't even have to be a fan uh, to to get this. You just have to be a
1: listener. (laughs) A grudging listener of Never Not Funny.
2: Uh, You will get 20% off. Hey, that's a great uh, discount. Plus free shipping right now at HelloTushy.com slash Pardo. This Fiber Monday deal is Hello Tushy's best offer. And even though you might have a butt that doesn't quit, this deal's only good for one day on Fiber Monday. So go now to HelloTushy.com slash Pardo for 20% off and free shipping. HelloTushy.com slash Pardo. Look, whatever you call it rump, rear, arse, fanny, bum, tush, tushy, tukus, heiny, butt, caboose, here comes Charlie, keister. <laughs> no matter what you call it, this Fiber Monday, wash it off with a hello, tushy, but day. Hello, tushy. Matt just sang its praises. I sang its praises. Hello, slash Pardo. Get 20% off on Fiber Monday. Hello, tushy. Better way to clean that can hey everybody welcome back to the program episode 2713 uh welcome in i hope everybody had a nice break you do what you do it's your business what you do during the break i don't care what you do you want you want to have a sandwich you want to go to the bathroom that's your business what you do during the break uh what we did is we welcomed our guest in we dealt with some technical stuff and we commented on how gorgeous this man's hair is now if you're (laughs) only listening to this podcast you are missing out on what I, i'm gonna say it the most beautiful head of hair i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> look at that salt and pepper bullshit that he's got going on it looks great my god tom Dreesen is here uh hello tom hi jimmy by the way it's not salt and pepper it's all great but it might look that way
4: and with this lighting but it, it's all great
2: oh it does look like you've got a little pepper in there but yeah. uh i'll take your word for it that it's all great well either either way you got a charlie rich looking head of hair it looks gorgeous and uh tom is a uh he's got a great new book out that i just finished yesterday called still standing and then there's a subtitle to it that uh, i believe goes on for about 16 minutes (laughs) um but the book is wonderful tom of course joined us at park castathon as i mentioned back in 2010 uh tom also grew up uh maybe six miles from me i grew up in oak forest tom and uh you're of course from harvey Uh uh-huh and uh I'm sorry. You said, "Uh huh." Like you, like the, the idea that I'm from Oak Forest pissed you off. Are you gonna be all right?
4: <laughs> oh no! I used to beat up a lot of guys from Mark Mark Oak Forest, and I was just wondering if you were one of them. No. I'm yeah. I, I, used to, I used to go to a, a restaurant there called the Crossroads. was a great restaurant in Oak Forest.
2: In Oak Forest, I, I yeah. don't remember there being any good restaurants in Oak it, Forest. It,
4: oh yeah, it was right on Cicero Avenue, I believe, uh, not far from the Oak Forest uh, Hospital there.
2: Uh, the hospital worked uh, that uh, this is how they got away from it. You guys, Matt and Elliot and Garen and the listener and Tom, maybe you, you probably know this, that Oak forest hospital was basically a mental institution. Yes. And that was how Oak forest got around having minorities in the census. They would have, they would house minorities in there that were mentally ill. And so when you would see the census, they would go, well, it's not just, it's diverse. They don't have to bring diverse people. It's fine. When in reality, there was nothing but white people. Hmm. And it was, its you know, my high school was nicknamed Honky High. It was ridiculous <laughs> that, you know, Tom grew up in the opposite. He grew up like where I live in Baldwin Hills now, where it was uh, a nice mix. Right, Tom?
4: Yeah, it was. I was the, uh, I told you, I was the only white kid on an all-black basketball team. They nicknamed me Spot. <laughs> no th- there was 14 black guys in me i didn't get a one game for three years they finally put me in one afternoon and no one would pass me the ball they claimed they couldn't see me in the daytime uh-huh.
3: <laughs>
4: that's from my album that i did in front of an all-black audience called that white boy is crazy and by the way richard Pryor, who was a friend of mine he wanted me to call it that honky's crazy and i told him i, I would do that but no black kid in my neighborhood no know- ever called me a honky I- they never come called- they always call me white boy in mm-hmm. they affection, they'd they say, you know, hey, I, I scored two touchdowns that game. White boy was a "White boy, come here, tell him what I did." You know, uh, <laughs> and, and, but I was thirteen years old when I found out my name wasn't White Boy. you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That late in the game,
4: you found out. <laughs> yeah, but I did so many routines on the Tonight Show and different shows about growing up in an all-black neighborhood, and, and playing. I played football in all-black football team. I was a running back and all that stuff. But white people used to come up to me and say, "Do black people laugh at your material? Do black people laugh at your material?" And I got so tired of hearing that that I went. And did an album in front of an all black audience. And whenever they'd ask me that question, I'd say, I pull out a CD and say, give me twelve ninety-nine, and you can go home and find out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. But I'll end this because we have comics. I, my question, whenever that was asked of me, I always say the same thing. What color is laughter?
2: Uh, I say it's the rainbow, Tom.
4: <laughs> what color? when I would say, I, I worked all Jewish audiences in, in, the, in the, in the North and the South. I've worked all Italian audiences. i I've, what color is laughter? You know, it has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has to do with, are you funny? Or can yeah, that, you that
2: said the South, though, right? They're dumb people. Let's acknowledge that. <laughs> right? Let's let's not give them a free pass because you're doing your your, your your soapbox talk here. They're <clears throat> dumb folks down South. Yeah, Go ahead, some, Tom. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Some, some of the race, most racist people I met in my life were up North. I Again, yeah. I grew up, uh, it was called Honky High. You don't think <laughs> I was uh, around racist people?
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I get uh, it uh and well, again you, better,
4: you, you remember tim reed and i were america's first black and white comedy
2: team you were uh, the only black and white comedy team is uh, that safe uh, to that's say it? we
4: were first and history shows we were the last and we toured the <laughs> north and the south for years six years before there were comedy clubs there were no comedy clubs in those days so we worked all black clubs in the north and the south what they affectionately called the chitlin circuit black owned black operated nightclubs we worked all white nightclubs too uh, but uh you know it, it's interesting in those days racism in, in those days If there was a black guy who hated white people, hated them with a passion, he wasn't mad at me. He was mad at Tim for being with me. Mm. If if there was a white guy, a redneck, who hated black people with a passion, he wasn't mad at Tim. He was mad at me for being with Tim. Yeah. So it was an interesting reverse thing there.
2: Would you, you know, and I know you deal with this in the book as well, but uh, would you ever do a show, Tom, in an all black one or in, in Tim's case, in an all white club? where uh, you'd get chased out to your car or anything afterwards, where maybe you rubbed uh, somebody the wrong way and, and there was a fight?
4: A couple times, times. Our fourth time ever on stage in Chicago Heights, Illinois, a guy put a lit cigarette out in Tim's face after the show. He walked by the table and took the drag off a cigarette and smashed it in Tim's face. And I, I, I got up and I, I boxed when I was in an navy. I'm not saying I'm a tough guy, but I, I had a lot of fights in my life growing up in Harvey. And I threw a punch at the guy. He uh, deep me and... I went over his shoulder and he pulled me across the table and squeezed me. He was a big football player. We found out later on was on the taxi squad for the Bears. But he crushed my, tried to crush my ribs and he threw my legs up in there and broke the table with my legs. Jesus. It was a Donnybrook like you've never seen before. I mean, two of the bartenders jumped over my, my buddies and they tried to help. Uh, but it, it became a real brawl. And uh, after that, uh, Donnybrook, after it was uh, uh, it lasted for I don't know how long, I out, went outside. But, you know, Tim and I were in the car on our way home. It was the fourth time ever on stage. Uh, Tim looked at me and he said, welcome to show business. (laughs) (laughs) But one time at the University of Illinois, a guy went outside and made a snowball, uh, packed a snowball and hit me right in the face with it, threw it while we were on stage. Now, this is rare. 95% of the people that saw us liked us, you know, like what we were doing. But there was always that one element. And we first went in the show business, a, a, a guy from a singing group called the Dells was the only, my only association with show OJs was this singing group from harvey that had nine gold records and uh and uh, i we went to visit the the lead singer and he said oh you guys that's a great idea black white comedy team blah 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 he said i wish you all the best as we were walking out of this house he said you know they're going to try to break you up and we said we turned around and said who he said they he said there's a game people play called divide and conquer where they just can't stand seeing two people get along together mm. you know and and they will try to, they'll come to you, Tom, and they'll say, you don't need that black guy. They'll come to you, Tim, and say, you don't need that white guy. It's just, some people just don't want to see it It get along, you know. And yeah. we, we, ex- America wasn't ready for us from 1969 to 1975, but we were
2: ready for them. And, uh. uh but in fairness, Tom, uh, they were he was right because you're not together as a team anymore. So they, so one of you got taken aside and believed it.
4: <laughs> yeah. Tim Reed, Tim, uh, my, my partner, who, who are the best of friends of this day, you know, my, my company partner. But it, it, uh, it was a woman who who divided the act. She pulled Tim aside and said, you can do better than that. I'll take you out to the West Coast and I'll put you up in a home in Bel Air and and you can drive my Mercedes around. and <laughs> But he admits it's the same. We wrote a book called Tim and Tom, an American comedy in black and white. And that book now, I mean, from that book, uh, there's a lot of consideration of us, uh, not of us, but they want to do a mini series of our life. What it was like from 1969 to 1975, turning the nation as the first black, white comedy team. But it's not going to be like a lot of other shows that you've seen. It's going to be the fun we had. We had a great time. Yeah, you really did. and, And we're the best of friends of this day. I mean his children call me uncle tom yeah.
1: is that
2: good <laughs> i'll
4: tell you i'll tell you what we went to norfolk state college when we had a book tour and that's where tim graduated it's a historical black college and uh, i was at a buffet we were going to speak to the students but i was at a buffet with six black college professors and we were getting our lunch and tori tim's daughter hadn't seen me in a year and she walked in the room she must have been Twenty yards away, and she started hollering across the room, "Uncle Tom, Uncle Tom, Uncle Tom!" She's and these six college professors turned around and gave her a look, and I yeah, said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." She's talking to me. I
2: <laughs> love it. Well, the book is called "Still Standing," and it, 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 we'll talk more about it, of course. But it, it it is, if you have a love of the of history of stand up comedy, uh, it, 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 Tom's journey is just unbelievable in that. You know, being a kid growing up in, in Harvey, getting his ass kicked on a regular basis, going into the service, getting his ass kicked on a regular basis there. And then eventually uh, meeting uh, Tim and, and, and starting comedy. And then Tim bailed on him. And then Tom had to figure out how to do stand up on his own. Um, and then uh, Sinatra. Uh, there's I, I, Tom, I might be wrong. There's 59 chapters about Frank Sinatra.
4: <laughs> no, a, you're, you're wrong. I, it's, it's the end of the book. You know, it's really a basic, basically a journey of a if I an eight-year-old kid, trudging through the snow with his shoe shine box, going to all the taverns in his neighbor. There were eight in my neighbor, and shining shoes in all the taverns, trying to get money to help feed my brothers and sisters. I had eight. There were eight of us in a family. We lived in a shack, and uh, and uh, holes in my shoes, all that stuff. You, know. but. Uh, that's the kid in those bars, here's Frank Sinatra on the jukebox and all those bars in those days. And then the end of that book is that same kid is carrying Frank Sinatra's coffin out of a church in Beverly Hills, California. So I take you on that journey, you know, um, uh, um, to to the service, to Tim and Tom years, to my, you know, being married, the three kids, uh, the struggles that every comedian goes through, the hardships, the rejections, you know, and like you say, knock down physically knocked down in my lifetime. And, and, and also mentally, uh, the hardships we go through. My wife left me three times. She hated show business. She wanted me out of it. When she married me, I wasn't in show business. I had a wife and three kids. The first time I ever went on stage and and she thought it was such a precarious business. She was right, you know. And and uh, I kept getting her back. All the things comics go through, that the, the highs, the lows, the rejections, you're in, you're not, you're hot, you're not. And finally getting to the Tonight Show, which in those days changed your whole life. Right. One, in 1975, wherever you went in America, people say, what do you do for a living? You say, I'm a stand-up comedian. The next question out of their mouth, oh, yeah, you ever been on Johnny Carson? And if you hadn't been on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, then in the eyes of America, you just want a comedian. You might want to be one, but you, you, you might going to be one, but you want one now. So 26 million people watch that show every night. One appearance on that show, your life changed. Yeah. Freddie Prince did one appearance, got a sitcom the next day. I did one appearance. I was in the unemployment line with a wife and three kids, and I, I I did one appearance. The next day, a guy named Lee Curlin from CBS signed me to a development deal. I never stopped working from that first appearance on the Tonight Show. I did 61 appearances on the Tonight Show. But wow! I never stopped working. It, it, it opened up a whole new world to me, you know. So that's in the book. All those struggles and the ups and downs and all that, but finally leading to touring with. Sammy Davis Jr. touring with Smokey Robinson, touring with Gladys Knight, Natalie Cole, and eventually how I start touring with Frank Sinatra. And
2: And uh, you were, uh, to your point, by the way, Tom, I talk about it all the time. I did not do The Tonight Show until uh, 2002 when Jay was hosting. And those days of it changing your life were over. Um, You know, it was still a nice thing to do. You you know, growing up, we all wanted to do The Tonight Show. Obviously, I would have loved to have done it with Johnny. But... um, you know, it ends, to your point, it would end any conversation. Like if you're on a plane and somebody's like, what do you do? And you make the mistake of saying I'm a comedian and you would go, oh, you ever do The Tonight Show? You say No. They're done talking to you. They don't take you seriously. But if you go, oh, yeah, I've been on the show. Oh, like it's a whole different story, even though it wasn't life changing career wise. It at least gave, gives legitimacy uh, to my cousin giving a shit about what I do for a living. <laughs>
4: yeah. You know, <laughs> um, I know. Uh, you know the, 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 I just argue with Jay all the time and David about putting more comedians on the show. How did they get their, they, their career launched off of Johnny Carson? Not Jay. I have to say Jay did his first appearance on the show. And Johnny really didn't like him. Oh. It was kind of an interesting thing, and uh, and uh, so Jay came in the back door on that issue. What what happened was Dave Letterman, of course, and Jay were great friends, and Dave kept putting Jay on all the time. Right. And eventually, Jay got hot, and then of course, and Johnny started putting him on. You know, uh, but uh, I, my argument with them was is they didn't use enough stand up comics on there. You know, uh, you, that, that, that's we need a place. There ha- there was a pathway to stardom. When I started out, we all migrated to the West Coast because Johnny Carson moved from New York City in 1972 to out to the West Coast. So we all migrated out here. At that time, the only game in town was a comedy store. The improv wasn't there, the Laugh Factory wasn't there. So you first had to get on at the comedy store to get seen by The Tonight Show. Passing Mitchie Shore's audition was far more pressure than passing than doing that first Tonight Show almost, Uh you know. you know, when you're behind that curtain on that first tonight show, it's hard to describe it. You know, you're going to walk out in front of 26 million people. And not only that, uh, you, you, every agent, every booking agent, talent coordinators, Vegas bookers all watch that show. And not only that, my mother had everybody back in Harvey Allen watching the show. So if I bomb. I can't even go back home. Right, you're done. I'd have to go to that mental institution in Oak Forest. That talk <laughs> about, <yeah. laughs> but, uh, but I mean, but Mitzi. For you to get on at the comedy show, you had to do it like five minutes in front of her. And if you guys watched that Comedy Store series where she would X your name out, that's the way it was. She might X your name out before you got your first line out. You know, Louis C.K. tells that story that he finally got a chance to audition for Mitchie. By that time, he was doing comedy specials. He right. was really established nationwide, but he wanted to work at the Comedy Store because that was the home of all the guys that preceded him. And so he went there and, and, and uh, agreed to do an audition in front of Mitchie and he walked up on stage and he said the light went on the moment he hit the stage and he thought it was a mistake you know he tells David Letterman it's on a Letterman show you can watch it sometimes in can download it but he thought it couldn't must be a mistake I haven't done my first line but she took one look at him and she said I don't like him get him off <laughs> but so he started doing his routine and she started flashing the light <laughs> and now he said to himself I'm not getting off right. I you know the audience liked him and she stood up and she started going like this get off and that didn't work so she grabbed a candlelight. light and she held the candle over her head <laughs> <laughs> but that's what my point is if if if, if mitchy in those days it was the only game in town if she said i don't like jimmy it's back to Oak forest pal yeah it's harvey I, I, you know it was the only game in town
2: and well luckily she passed you it all went well and then uh uh but you went through it I, i'm kind of jumping around here your story a little bit uh um, Uh, your timeline, not your story. Um, You then, it was years that you stopped working the comedy store after the, the strike, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Because I gave my word for the, for the uh, people listening, don't know. uh, I, I, by that time, the strike before the strike i was on my way i had done the tonight t- i was doing dinosaur merv griffin mike douglas johnny carson midnight special rock concert soul train american Band, Band, Band and i was doing all these shows touring with all these different artists and i was on the road with sammy davis jr and every time i come off the road i'd go to the comedy store to try out new material because i needed to keep coming up with new material and um th- they always put us in the original room that mitchy had uh, got that won that comedy club and the divorce and they put us in what they call the original room, 105 sheets. In the meantime, she bought the other section of the building from a guy named Art LeBeau, that he used to put 50 shows in his showroom. She stuck letting Rodney Dangerfield work that room, Jackie Mason worked that room, and they took the door. She would sell the liquor and take that, and they took the door, $25 at the door, whatever it was, they got the door, right? So when I come off the road one time, I, I went to the comedy store. You know, I, I signed in for times. I go to work in the original room. They said, no, you're in the main room. I said, the main room? I went in there. I was on stage with these other unknown comedians, Robin Williams, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Elaine Boozler, Gallagher, you know, uh, Michael Keaton. You know, anyhow, uh, the place is packed. When I yeah. went on stage, I'm thinking, wow, I'm, I feel like I'm back in Las Vegas. You know? Afterward, we all go to Cantor's, where all the comedians hung out. And they start bitching. You know, Jay Leno came in, hey, you know, she pays those guys at the door. Maybe it took five of us to fill the room, but we, we still filled the room. And so they said, let's have a meeting. They had a big meeting. I went to the meeting. It was like madness. hundred comedians talking at the same time. Right. And I, the only thing they agreed on was have another meeting. So I went to the next meeting and they were crazy again. So I had been in the JCs. I knew how to conduct the meeting. I knew Robert's rules of order and all that stuff. So I, took, I said, let me conduct the meeting." And I would be quite quite put that in the form of a motion. You know, the second emotion. I got them organized. When you got them organized, they were a force to be reckoned with. These were some bright people. We had committees, subcommittees. And then I went to Mitchie and tried to get Mitchie to pay the comics. She simply would not pay them. It was against her principle. She wasn't going to pay comedians. And this went on for like four weeks, organizing this and that and the other. And finally, the comics decided to go on strike. You know, and, and one night I, I jumped out of bed. I I'm scared the hell out of my wife, my ex wife. And, and I, she switched on. I said, I got it. Why didn't I think about this? I got it. I couldn't hardly sleep that night. At 10 o'clock in the morning, I go in Mitzi's office and I said, Mitzi, I got it. I'm waiting for her to come in. I said, she comes in. I said, Mitchie, I got it. You're charging $5 at the door, charge $6. Let the comedians have that $1. If you draw 200 people at night, they split 200 bucks. If they, you're uh, 300, whatever. She said, no.
2: They don't it doesn't cost her
4: anything to do that. Nothing she said they don't deserve to be paid this is this is a a college now when i went outside i was numb because i thought it was about money if it's about money we can resolve this it was about power you know and 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 it was an interesting thing i was numb and the comics voted to go on strike and we eight weeks on the picket line and and all sorts of things finally the the strike is over uh and i made a long answer to your short story (laughs) Steve LeBetkin came up to me. I I gave my farewell speech. It was three weeks after the strike was over. I I had them organized. They were calling themselves the AFC, the American Federation of Comedians. They're going to have a comedy union, you know. So anyhow, uh, 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 as I'm leaving, I'm going to the airport. I got a meeting with with, uh, George Slaughterer. He wanted me to host a show called Real People. I didn't want to do it, but I did have to honor the meeting and I had to go in the er airport, get to the airport. I'm opening with Sammy Davis in Lake Tahoe. All the comedians around me, George Miller and all the comics talking to me at the same time. And my ex-wife kept saying, come on, we gotta go, we gotta go, you gotta catch the airplane. And Steve Lebetkins came up to me and he said, Tommy, don't leave the group. If you leave the group, she will have no power. You know, we need your name power. He said, I called in for three weeks in a row. She won't give me any times. I said, Steve, she can't do that to you. We have it in the contract. You can't retaliate against anybody who walked the picket line. He said, but I've called in three weeks in a row and she won't give me any times. And, and he's forlorn, and my wife pulling my I looked at Steve. I said, Steve, I grabbed him by the shoulders. I said, Steve, I won't go back till you go back. You got that? Now, Steve, look at me. I said, I won't go back till you go back. He said, OK, I go, go to Tahoe. I'm there in a week. I, for one week, I'm working there. Jay Leno calls me one night before I'm going on stage. And he, he didn't know. He thought I was off stage, but he called my dressing room. He said, Steve LeBeckin committed suicide. He, jumped, he jumped, went on top of the Continental Hyatt House. Next door to the comedy store, he wrote a suicide note, said, my name is Steve Lebetkin. I used to work at the comedy store. Jesus. And he jumped off the top of the roof toward the comedy store. And two years in a row, they think it was his girlfriend. She'd put a dummy on the anniversary of that death. She'd put a dummy on the spot where he landed with a sign around its neck saying, my name is Steve Lebetkin. I used to work at the comedy store. Wow. So after that, I just never wanted to go back ever to the comedy store. I just, you know, I gave him my word, but I just thought all of this bullshit, all of this bullshit for paying a fucking dollar more right. or something just annoyed me to no end. And so I didn't go back for over 40 years. And then they did the Comedy Store documentary. Mike Binder produced it. And he asked me to come back. And Mitchie's son, Peter Shore, called me. And he said, it would mean a lot to us if you would come back and do a set. So I did okay. uh, after 40-some years.
2: And did you, uh, you know, by the time I got here out here, Tom, the Comedy Store kind of felt... Uh, like it kind of had like a negative, dark, evil vibe to it. Uh, but when I hear you guys and your generation talk about it, it, it doesn't seem to have that atmosphere to it. Was it, a, was it a fun place to work when you first got out here?
4: Oh, uh, I can't tell you. By the way,
2: it did happen when you came out here, but there's five episodes of that
4: Comedy Store documentary. The fourth one is about those dark years where the, okay. kids and the bloods were hanging out there. There was a shooting over there. People were doing drugs in there, you know, I think on stage. But now it's a gold mine right or turn that place into a nightclub beyond your description and and, and i'll tell you if, if it wasn't for this COVID thing there'd be lines three blocks around after that five episode um documentary right but when we went out there the it's hard to describe the excitement every night someone was getting discovered uh-huh. every night all these shows that i mentioned earlier they all had their talent coordinators in the audience every night some guy would come off the stage or some girl i just got the dinah show i just got the merv griffin show Canada, there were three sh- uh, sh- There were shows up in Canada that send their talent coordinators down. They would fly you up, the kids first class, we'd all go up to first class, and they would take three of your segments, and then they'd run them all through the year. Uh, they were sending people down. Uh, I-, I can't tell you the excitement there. And, and e- every night, somebody- something was happening, you know. And by the way, not only the stand-up, the-, the casting directors, uh, people were coming in looking for comics for sitcoms right. and stuff like that. So it was it was really really exciting and fun.
2: Yeah, that was sadly by the day, you know I got here ninety five is when I moved out here and and that was gone like that and even at the improv and Bud was great uh, I was very lucky that Bud took a liking to me almost immediately and but even that was gone you know you know Bud there was the days you know this that Bud could pick up the telephone and fill the room with uh, with industry people and you'd have a deal the next day and sadly by the time I got here as much as he was like I'm gonna make you a star and he made the calls and nobody gave a shit you know because <laughs> the, that. That little, you know, a wave had passed. And if I just would have moved out here in 94, I really think it was the one year, Tom.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Well, you know, su- success is an idea whose time has come. By the way, Bud Friedman is a daddy of all the comedy clubs. He's the first one, truthfully, who came up with that concept of getting comics up on the stage. He, but he used to put a singer, then a comic. I went to New York in 1969, 1970, and went to the improv. It was the only game in town. I was fascinated by that you mean you could work every night in chicago we had no comedy club so tim reed and i i started when i went to uh, you know we what we did let me digress i volunteered for every charity in chicago i'd look in every newspaper listen to every radio show if there was a charity Tim and I would volunteer to go do the church just so we get stage time. Yeah. You know, I saw a, a Monday night or one night he had the greatest line. He said, I just joined AA and everybody applauded. He said, I don't have a drinking problem. I need the stage time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did. We volunteered for every, every charity because there was no place to be bad. So uh, sometimes you wouldn't work for maybe a month, you know, and now you have, and, you know, with a comedy team or even with a single, you need that that timing you know yeah yeah yeah. and so i went to a a owner of a bar one night and and i said what's your worst night he said monday i said and i talked him into putting a comedy room in there and it it became very popular it's called lay pub and and later on we went to a place called the pickle barrel and then i moved out to the west coast but it was a place where we could be bad but in new york those kids you know the, the improv was just a fabulous place you know
2: uh, and by the way, I, I think I've mentioned this on uh, previous episodes uh, as much Tom's, as I mentioned, Tom's book is fantastic. If you like the, the history of stand up. But Bud Friedman's book, which I think came out last year, uh, also a great read. If you if yeah. you care at all about the, the history of stand up comedy. And I mean, and, and to, to Tom's point, Bud has seen it all. Bud has seen everything from, you know, his, his uh, place when he opened up out here. And, uh, I, and you alluded to this in your book, uh, Tom, where, you know, his place gets burnt down. The improv got burnt down. Because uh, do you think, and I'll let you tell the story, Tom, but the question is, do you think Mitzi had something to do with sending someone over there to set it on fire?
4: No, they did it on their own. Mitzi, Mitzi would have never done that. She, I, I like Mitzi a lot. She, Her and I had our differences, but I liked her a lot. She wasn't of that type. She wouldn't do that. But I know who did it. And and uh, and what, what what happened was just before the strike, uh, the, um, the comics, she had her loyalists. 18 guys and one girl crossed the picket line. Had they not done that, the strike would have been over in 24 hours. But she—they were. She had a little meeting, but we had a spy in there. One of the waitresses, a, a great gal. See, I, I would say her name, but I couldn't get her in trouble. Her name was Robin. She was a terrific girl, and she would let us know. She'd come on, say, "This is what they talked about." <laughs> so we had a spy on the inside. Yeah. She would, you know, but one, at one of the meetings, Mitzi said the comedians are talking about going on strike. And um, uh, Biff Maynard said in the back, one of the comedians said, comedians won't go on a strike. They need a place to work. They won't go on strike. And Mitchie said, well, they may go over to the improv. And Ali Joe Prater said, what if there was no improv? And she told us that. A week later, they threw a Molotov cocktail. I mean, a couple of days later, a Molotov cocktail on the roof and burned the improv back down the showroom. You know, the, the back part was down right. but Bud came to us before we ever went on strike. He said to me, Tommy, please, if you strike, He said, I need to rebuild the back room. I can put comics on in the front of my where the bar was there. He said, "While they're rebuilding the back room. I said, but we don't want to go on strike. No comic wants to go on strike. Will you sign a memo that after the strike, you'll sign a memo that you will negotiate in fairness? He said, absolutely. And he did. So when we were on strike, we would send people over to the improv, you know. Uh, To do it. But but, no, Mitchie had nothing to do it. But I I said, Biff Maynard on his deathbed admitted he said, Ollie threw the. The cocktail up there. You
2: know. you know, as much as I I know the you know I, I, I'm a student of the history of stand up. I don't know Biff Maynard at all. Was he just was he a guy that toured around? Did he open for folks, or was he just kind of a guy that worked out at the comedy store and never got a huge break? Why don't I? Why is that a name that it's, uh, doesn't bring? He, any he was he me? was
4: a, a big tough guy, and and uh, I think did some time. <laughs> oh, and, and and him and I almost with the blows one night. How the strike ended? I had to speak at Screen Actors Guild. That they invited me to speak and give our side of the story. It was at the Holiday Inn in Hollywood in their banquet room. And they had some sagging after people, a lot of actresses in there, maybe 150 people. And But they also invited Mitzi's side of it. Biff Maynard spoke on behalf of Mitzi uh, and a guy named Danny Mora. They came and I went there with Joe and Astro and Mark Lano, and I mm-hmm. spoke and they spoke. I gave our side, they gave their side. Now Biff Maynard during the middle of the strike, by the way, after Four or five weeks of strike. Mitzi came to me and said, "I'd be willing to pay twenty-five dollars a set in the main room, uh, but not on weekdays, only on weekends." You know, and and uh, and and so I took it back, took the offer back to the comics, and I let them vote on it. They said, "No, every time she charges a cover charge, we should get paid." We always thought that the word "cover charge" meant cover the cost of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I found later that wasn't actually true, oh. but what we thought that. At the time. So they said, anytime she charges a cover charge, shouldn't we get something? So I took it back and said, they turned it down. Well, she started paying those who crossed the picket line $25 a set. So now, Biff Maynard, at this meeting in front of the Screen Actors Guild, he first gets up and he says, comedians don't need to be paid because comedians are artists and artists don't need to be paid. Well, he's talking to a room full of artists.
0: Right, 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 right. <laughs>
4: And, they, and I, looked, I looked at Mark and i went bingo, I know what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. So, but when I came, my turn, I just basically said to them, I, I told them how much we needed them, how much a struggle that the comics need to be paid, that across the land, comedians were getting paid hardly anything because the argument was in these new comedy clubs opening up around the country, we'll give you a hundred dollars a week. And you'd say, well, I don't work for $100 a week. They say, you work the comedy store for free. Come here, we'll house you, we'll feed you, and we'll pay you $100. That's $100 more than you have you stayed in L.A. There was a fair argument to that that negotiation, you know. So uh, I I was telling this to the screen Guild people. I said, now, this gentleman just got up and told you that artists don't need to be paid. And I know you artists out there must agree with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, the other thing, this artist, we... And after four weeks of striking, she started paying the comedians across the picket line, $25 a set. I said, do you know what this gentleman did last weekend? He worked two nights, he got $50. You know what he did with that $50? Tonight he went and had a meal and he put gas in his car to come over here and tell you not to pay us. Uh (laughs) I said, if you don't help us, we can't survive. We need your help. They gave me a standing ovation. We leave, the president of Screen Actors Guild came up to me in front of Biff. He said, we're going to take a full page ad out in Variety and a full page ad out in Hollywood Reporter asking all of our artists not to go to the comedy store while you guys are on strike. And, and Biff heard that. I get back to the comedy store and we're walking the picket line and Mitchie had an injunction put in that you couldn't block her driveway, which was right. She was right. You know, I said, so I, I kept, I always kept the comics, stay over here. You know, said, anyhow, Biff Maynard pulls up and he's facing east on, facing east in his car and waiting for the traffic west to go by and I and he's racing his engine rum rum, rum. and I look and there's a couple people in the driveway and I'm, I said hey get out of the driveway and I hear screeching of tires and flies in the driveway and I hear boom and Jay Leno hits the ground the car goes in the back and Jay Leno's laying on the ground and the girls start screaming. He a Jay. He a Jay. Jay Jay. Now I look down. Jay's laying there. I think he's dead. You know. Right. I I I, I kneel down and I'm, my brain. Right then, I said, I'm gonna break his fucking jaw. I'm gonna break his fucking jaw. I'm. I I I I had eight weeks of this. I, I I turned down all this work with Sammy Davis syndrome. I had it. I was I was ready for a breakdown. When he got near, I was gonna crack him as hard as I ever hit anybody. In my in, in, anyhow. And I'm kind of glad it didn't happen because Biff was, he was nobody. He was, it would have been a battle, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But as I'm leaning down, I'm telling him, get an ambulance. We didn't have cell phones. And I said, get to a phone, get an ambulance right away. And I look down at Jay and he opens one eye and he winks at me and he puts his head back down again. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I said, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. And he's winking at me. Now, he, what he did, I, unbeknownst to me, I found later when the car went by, he took his hand and slapped the side of the car. <laughs> Boom, and then he hit the ground. <laughs> right. So now when Biff comes running out of the car, the girls are screaming at him, you hit Jay. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. Yes, you did. He goes inside and, they, by the way, the ambulance came and took Jay away. Jay tried to get out of it. He said, no, I'm okay. But they are not allowed to let him go. They got, only a hospital can release him. So the paramedics had to take him to the hospital. <laughs> the sirens and the ambulance take and There's so, nothing wrong with him. He, he gets to the ambulance. No, they, they look at him. He's like, there's nothing wrong with you. So about 10 minutes later, Mitzi sent Argus Hamilton out. He said, Tom, Mitzi wants to talk to you. I went inside the comedy service. She said, let's settle this right now. Let's settle this. I, I want this over. I said, me too. And we sat up till four in the morning. We got our attorney, Ken Browning, and we sat down and we, we wrote all the rules and all that stuff, you know.
2: Wow, that's uh uh you imagine Jay I got hit by a car. Maybe I got hit by a
4: car. <laughs> what, you uh, see what Jimmy just said there Jimmy, there's only two people in the world of comedy that whenever you do their talk about them, you do their voice. One is Mitzi Shore. Uh-huh. You know, no, I didn't ask you guys and the other is Jay Leno, and they're almost the same voice. <laughs>
2: You know, Tom, when you when you did Parkastathon, you told us a little bit about this strike, and you have one of my. The truth is, we've been doing this show fifteen years. You have one of my favorite lines in the history of this show, uh, when you were talking about the meetings, and you would say, "So and so saying this, so and so this," and Gallagher saying, "Burn the place down." And <laughs>
4: yeah. the, the, the now, way, that the, was the solutions that I was getting. You know, <laughs> hang the bitch. They were saying stuff like this. <laughs> what you <the> know,
2: fuck?
4: <laughs> yeah, burn the place down. Yeah. You know, and that's when I said, "Let me try to conduct this meeting." You know, right? But again, when you got them organized. They were a force to be reckoned with. Guys like me and comedy. I don't have a degree from academia. I got a doctorate from the streets. I grew up literally on the streets. I'm shining shoes and bars, setting pins and bowling alleys, caddying in the summertime, you know, selling newspapers to feed my brothers and sisters. High school dropout at 16. At 17, went in the service for four years. You know, four years in the Navy. I served in a Marine Corps unit too. But, and then I got a high school diploma from the Navy and going to junior college. but I'm a street guy. Mm-hmm. These kids are all from colleges and very bright and and again, when you got them organized, they were a force to be reckoned with. they really were
2: yeah, that's uh I'm not a comedy store guy, but I love the history of it. I like hearing about it and uh, it's fascinating. All right. Tom Dreesen is here, but let's go around the horn. we got to do Oliver's uh, trivia thing that we got to dig in deeper more with uh, Tom and hear more about Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra and uh, and, and, and the, the tours and such with those guys, because, uh, again, in the book, it's fascinating. Uh, so to be able to hear it right from Tom, it's going to be great. Uh, but let me hit the uh, the topic, gentlemen, the topic that uh,
1: Oliver has written this week. Uh, Matt, you got a theme on this? I do. Oh, you know what? There's a new one. If you if you can vamp for a second, uh, I have an updated. This guy finally, um, he's he's, I think maybe a little annoyed that we complain so much about the mix of his theme song. But, yeah. uh, but I him. mean to be
3: fair, he's prov- he's providing something for us for free. Though it's, you time. know
1: what? I'm not going to be fair. You want to submit something? I want I want
2: professionalism, <laughs> and I'm not going to tolerate for anything less than that. I don't give a shit if it's free or not. Do your job. <laughs> Uh, uh tom uh, you're gonna be betting anywhere between i'm vamping by the way tom already knows this information but i'm doing it for the courtesy of the listener uh you bet anywhere between zero and 25 points uh if you get it right uh you have a, and nobody else does you get a chance to win five dollars if uh, more than one people or nobody gets it right more than one person or nobody gets it right uh it goes to, to the bet and uh and then whoever uh, bet the least i guess would be uh right is that how that works
3: so, so why do i never understand it, the betting on this if you get it right then whoever bet the most money will win. If you get it, if everybody gets it wrong, then whoever bet the least money will win.
2: OK, it all makes sense. But explaining it, it sounds like a disaster.
3: It's Jeopardy rules. You you always say Jeopardy rules and everybody understands that. Yeah, all right. It's final I Jeopardy. On,
1: I didn't. You got 25 points to play with. And uh, um, all right. Well, listen, uh, I've also got two inches to play with. So let's
2: talk about that at a later. Time. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Jimmy, uh, that's why you were never on Jeopardy.
2: <laughs> uh, well, there's more than uh, just that reason. Uh, Alex Trebek and I never got along to this day. I made that up. Never yeah. met the man. All right. Right. Anyway,
4: he was a wonderful man who, who had a TV show in Canada that we comics, that was one of the shows. Was oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, wow. we grew up there and do his talk show.
2: But, <laughs> oh, awesome.
4: Okay, zero to 25 now. You know what? You Here's don't, you the don't, thing.
2: I, I like being mad at Alex Trebek and yet anybody that knows him says he was the greatest guy in the world but I like thinking that he was just a pompous a-hole that hosted a, a quiz show Oh, he, he, uh, he, but nah, everybody he was, says
4: he's a great guy he was the sweetest softest nicest guy I knew him for I did a lot of shows with him not, not the Jeopardy shows but I did a lot of other shows Dinosaur, you know the uh, chat shows talk shows Yeah. but he was he not he was such a great guy and I'll get off of this real quick Frank Sinatra loved that show and we went on stage every night at 8 o'clock like in Vegas somewhere so at 7 I'd be in a dressing and We'd be watching Jeopardy
3: and,
4: and, and, uh, and I told Alex that And he sent a fantastic Jeopardy game To Frank To play, to play at home you know? But yeah Alex Trebek was the sweetest Nicest guy you ever met in your life And the truth was All those questions he was asking For the most part he probably could have answered those questions. I refuse, I refuse
2: to believe that part. That's the part, Tom, that I refuse to believe. I want to think there's something wrong with him. <laughs> I mean, he's dead now, of course. There's yeah. something wrong, but uh, was and then, I want to dig deeper on Frank later, Tom. But uh, okay. since you brought it up now, uh, I'm going to ask this question: Was Frank good at Jeopardy, or did he just enjoy playing along with it?
4: When they, you know he
2: he was he read a lot. He was an avid reader, you know, at one time.
4: You know, he was an avid reader and, and again, also self-educated, you know, uh, like Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. only had one year of school, one year of, of, of going to the school and the rest he learned from, you know, from he was self-taught. You know, he was an everyday. Anyhow. Uh, yeah, Frank, Frank, uh, if it was trivia questions of his era, he, he pretty well knew what was going he knew on. It. One night, one night, the question was about him, who, won, that the, who won the Academy Award, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's from here to eternity, but he knew the answer to the question. I I'll tell you that
2: <laughs> I, uh, I, I would love if he didn't like, that's the one that he missed. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Out of humility.
2: Uh, right. I, I don't know who it is. Come on, chairman. <laughs> now this um, trivia
4: question you're going to ask us, because
2: I'm new at this is, yes? there,
4: you, you don't know, we don't know what era
2: it is. So we can't bet. Right. Like- uh, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the topic right now and then you do your bet.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: So here it comes. It's
1: uh, hold weird. I got, yes, Matt. Here we go.
4: All of this question is on its way, all of this question is here to stay, and Matt will probably get it right, that's not okay.
1: All right. I, th- I, th- I think the vocals are too loud now. <laughs> I'm kidding, 100. You kidding. actually sent two versions, and and one of them it was too loud, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I chose. Uh, I, I chose Matt, I voice. have a question. When you say and
4: we comedians, I'd say Phil. If there's if we got a problem here, you Phil. Yeah, yeah. You know, vamping
2: is a
1: band. It's oh, a okay. band.
2: Vamps. Are
1: you a musician? Is that I am care? not. No, I just don't know my showbiz terms. <laughs> I
2: I'd like to think Tom that they see what I do as freeform jazz, and that's why they talk to me like I'm. Uh, uh, oh go. jimmy will vamp and then you know i just it's me hitting my bugle and that's uh, basically what i'm doing very good very yeah good. Uh, all right weird science is the uh topic guys weird, weird, weird science. science okay is uh so i'm gonna uh, write mm-hmm. down your bet and then i'll read the question again tom this is my 13 year old son writes these every uh every week and uh, some are uh very difficult some are uh, somewhat easy uh but they always lead to conversation that's the point of them um. so uh, I will also tell you Tom before I read the question that my son has the worst handwriting you've ever seen in your entire life so I may have trouble reading this question <laughs> um, okay uh, okay here we go what alien thing from pop culture shares a name on element or that's an or shares a name with no an that's an and, an a n Again, he, his handwriting is atrocious. What alien thing from pop culture shares a name with an element on the periodic table with the atomic number 36? Is that a sentence? Did anybody understand any of that? In a I, I, I think, think I, I, I do. I think
1: I understand it.
2: Say it better, Elliot. Say uh, so, say what he's trying to say. And again, he I'm sure he's written it wonderfully. It's just his handwriting makes me choppily reread it
3: all right i i I think i've got it what alien thing shares a name with an atomic element that has the atomic weight of 36
1: right and the the alien thing is 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 something from pop culture that also is a real element on the periodic table Mm. so in
3: a way if you know you know element 36 you probably have the answer
1: but if you don't then you got to think about in pop culture what alien thing in pop culture has this has this name
2: what if I don't know anything but H2O from the periodic table? What if I don't know? Well, and those are two separate ones, by the way. Two, I, I did yep, a combination. Actually two. So I know two of, of how, how many are there in the table?
3: Uh, 160, I think. Now.
2: Well, why am I expected to know all those? <laughs> why, why am I expected
1: to know 160 things? I don't give a shit. It doesn't affect my life. That's what I always felt about science. It's like, uh, I trust that people are dealing with this, but I, do I have to know it? it's matt to my point uh, to your point on
2: that and i know we uh, we swore we're never going to get poli- we're not going to get as political as we've been over the last uh, four years but again if back in february our president would have said uh, put his ego aside for a second and said i'm not as smart as these doctors mm-hmm. these doctors are telling us to do th- the scientists are saying wear a mask and do this we wouldn't be in this mess anymore mm-hmm. so i'm with you matt let the scientists do their job uh, I'll talk about my genitals for a living. And, and <laughs> Dresen will uh, regale us with stories from when he uh, used to beat up the black kids. All right.
1: So <laughs> what? Uh, no. I don't think that's how, I think that's, that's how that went. <laughs> I,
4: that's
2: they how I took to, that story. Yeah. They used to beat me up. You know, we
4: <laughs> I, I, there's a story in my book about that, uh, about the first fight I had there, but go ahead.
2: Uh, all right. So listen. Uh, all right. So there's the question. Uh, what alien thing Elliot uh, pointed out to, uh, the atomic number 36, I, I'm i writing something down that I don't even know if it's on the periodic well, and, table. And
3: by the way, it might say atomic weight, which is not exactly the same as the atomic number. So this does
2: not say atomic weight. The question does not say atomic weight. It says atomic number? It says with the atomic number 36. Okay. very good.
1: I don't think the number... I don't think that's going to change anything for any of us here. <laughs> I don't think that's going to well, I'm just the, remembering I'm, the whole 7-Up uh, situation and uh, uh, trying yeah. to... Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: All right. Listen, this is a This is making us all look dumb. <laughs> yeah. and my son... Tom, I'm very serious. I know you have kids. I'm going to ground my son for this question. <laughs> Uh, well,
4: I, I don't, you know, first of all, I think that's, a. I think that's out of line. I think you should beat the hell out of it.
2: <laughs> right? right? Like the old days, you whip the kid's ass a little bit.
4: I had bad handwriting too, but I went to Catholic school and the nuns used those rulers on these knuckles that are hurt to this day, you know.
2: I would imagine. Uh, and you, oh wait, you went to, uh, now that's interesting, Tom, because uh, uh, where I grew up, and again, not that far from you, uh, it costs money to go to the Catholic school. You went to the public school if you didn't have money, which we did not. We grew up very poor. Yeah. Um, and then the quote unquote rich kids were able to go to the private school slash Catholic school. But you went to Catholic school
4: for five years. And then uh, what you're talking about was happening. both my parents kept drinking heavy and they couldn't pay the tuition anymore. It was either, you know, a six pack or the tuition, you know. So Uh-oh. I end up going to public school from there. But I see. But uh, but but I have to say that they are great teachers. It, it was a great experience for me. Other than the ruler thing, you know, right. every one of those belonged to the NRA, you know, the National Ruler Association. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> every Christmas, we'd buy Mother Superior a shoulder holster for her ruler so she could get it out quicker, you know.
2: <laughs> but they—they—they
4: they, they, they spared no. You know, they, and I'll, I'll digress. I'll, I'll real quick. But no, please they, go ahead. They would actually leave the classroom. I remember being in third and fourth grade. The nuns. And and that rumor was they were going to the bathroom. But in my wildest dreams, I couldn't picture a nun going to the bathroom. But (laughs) they would leave the room. And before they leave, they said, now, everyone be quiet uh, while we're gone. There's no talking while I'm gone. Now, when the nun would come back, she'd say, all those who talked while I was gone, please go to the cloakroom. And you'd get whacked with the ruler. Now, you know, I'm a talker. So, you know, I was always one. But I wasn't good. You think I'm going to raise my hand and say, yeah, go. So I just sit there. Well, four or five of the boys... Who did talk would get up and walk into the cloakroom. I'm thinking they're morons, you know. And Mary Joe uh would say, "Sister, Tommy talked and he didn't give himself up." She said, "And said again, in five wax you'd get ten wax."
2: You know. Now I'm not
4: making this up. I I go in the cloakroom this one day and I'm going to get ten wax while all the boys are standing there waiting for her to come with the ruler. And Larry Crack, this kid named Larry Crack, says. I, I said batman's wife is going to be in here in just a minute or some joke like that you know and and here she comes and he said sister tommy talked well in the cloakroom so she lets larry go and i get larry's wax what, <laughs> what? oh no you know, and fuck soon as, larry and soon as my hands healed i whipped his ass on the playground <laughs> Goddamn right you did <laughs> Oh no!
2: now tom any of these guys because uh, this always fascinates me too like, and just, just so people know where the era you grew up you were born i want to say in 39 is that accurate that's correct And um, uh, so uh, do any of these guys that you went to school with, this Larry Kreps or whatever, when you would go and do shows in Chicago, uh, once you, quote unquote, made it, would they show up and go, hey, we were the best of buddies? Remember, Tommy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I
4: can't tell you. And and by the way, the people back home, this book. Is doing so well. The people back home really bought a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people back there, Uh, and and they and they they named the street after me. Going back there to Harvey uh, today, it's it's a high crime area, but the people back home have been very very supportive of me all along. Uh, But I I will tell you one quick story. Every comic knows. I had a um, my my ex wife's cousin had a job at Sears and he made like seventeen thousand a year many years ago, and he, he. ridiculed me in front of a bunch of other guys at a bar one night saying uh tommy what's this um what's this uh, fantasy you have i was new at the time just mm. trying to do comedy uh what's this fantasy you got here this this wild crazy dream you have i said what are you talking about I said what a bunch of other guys he said i said uh, you know I, i'd like to be a stand-up comedian and i'd like to you know one day work las vegas and tonight Show so he goes tommy 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 be realistic for god's sake you gotta i mean Las Vegas he said I've been to Las Vegas you know he went there one time he, he was on an elevator with Charlie Callis and it made him a big hit back home <laughs> you know, and, and and he said and he said Tom you know you, you know you got to set goals got to that's a fantasy he said get yourself a, a a regular job and and maybe on the weekend get up and do your little sketches at at the Holiday Inn or something now years go by and I'm doing the Tonight Shows and I'm doing all this and I'm at this family reunion and the same guy said to me Tommy, come here, tell them, tell them. Did I tell you, I told you, set goals. He listened to me. I told him, you got to set your goals. I wanted to say, you are so full of shit. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I just said, you know, yeah, thank you very much, you know, uh, yeah, because
2: what, what do you do? You you, you gain nothing by calling him out at that point. No, you I, you look like the crazy person. Yeah, yeah. But what, 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 that's part of. You know, it depends where you're from.
4: If you're from New York or L.A. and you say you want to go in the show business, people say, oh, that's a that's a noble endeavor where I grew up at. They thought you were insane. You want to be what you want to do what you want to be a stand up comedian? What are you crazy? You know, get a job in the factory. I mean, you know, very few people. My family were supportive, my brothers and sisters, but very few were. They thought I was a loony to in general.
2: What, uh, you know what, Tom? I, uh, uh, maybe I'm crossing the Jimmy Alec wasn't from Harvey, right? Where Jim, but he was from our neighborhood, kind of, wasn't he? The South Side, South Suburbs? Home, Jimmy was from Homewood, and Homewood, when, that's right. He was one of my pupils. I mean, I had O'Brien and Severa, Kenny
4: Kella Severa, Kenny, sure. Severa, and hey. yeah, yeah, they were a comedy team, and I managed them. And I also, with Jimmy Alec, I, I tutored, he, we talk every almost every day. Jimmy Alec, oh, I, is that right? Yeah, he, we stay in touch. With him.
2: Um uh here's a fun piece of trivia for you. Uh I, I did a web series twenty something years ago when the, when the web was first starting, Tom, and I did a character called Cocktail Kenny that basically was me doing my bad Ken Severa impression. <laughs> That's, oh, <really>? uh, <laughs> and so nobody knew who I was doing. It sounded like a bad Harry Carey, but I was literally doing Ken Severa. And you are uh, one of nine people that know what I'm talking about. So
4: <laughs> uh, real, real quick, I, I have so many guys from back home that will say, Hey, I see you on the tonight show and I see you talking about you know people back then. why don't you talk about me what they didn't know i was talking about them <laughs> right i just changed the name of course yeah, I, yeah.
2: uh um, listen hey caddy it's caddy Listen, promise me something uh ken severo once uh, tom said to me uh now jimmy you're like me you like the uh, you're a saver right and i go i really don't save anything save up your money and go to italy promise me that okay <laughs> I, I don't save i i don't travel i don't do any of that this is 30 years uh-huh. ago but uh, all right, listen, let's go around the horn. Let's check okay. in with uh, Garen Cockrell. He's there at the uh, Never Not Funny Weather. That's sponsored by Uh A little late start today, Garen. We're starting in the afternoon. because. Uh, uh, so what, how does that affect the weather there in, uh, in Van Nuys, California?
0: Jimmy, let me tell you, here in uh, North Sherman Oaks, the weather like, is 84 degrees. Holy crap, is it that warm outside? Apparently yeah, so. Oh. Wow. Tom, what, are you, uh,
2: are you, uh, you're in the right. Valley, right, Tom? I'm in Sherman Oaks. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm in Sherman Oaks and and, and I,
4: I play golf almost every day. If I can, I would have played today, but I had to do this piece of shit
2: show oh no i'm sorry <laughs> how, dare how dare you i'm i'm lowering your audience by 50 fucking years <laughs> how
0: dare you
4: um well, that's great i just need another audience that says who's tom Dreeson. i need another group like
0: that
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey listen uh, I've, I've already got the who's jimmy Pardo i uh, wrapped up so uh, i understand it um i wonder how close you are to our studio our studio is in sherman oaks where uh, matt is currently I wonder, uh, we're at uh, Fulton and uh, Moore Park. Are you near that? Oh, no,
4: but I go by it every day uh, on my way to the golf course. I'm a member at Lakeside, so I take Moore Park back home all the time. I go right by I always turn left there to go down to Ventura Boulevard to turn right at at the uh, Casa Vega to yeah, go to yeah. Maria's kitchen. And, and in mm. fact, I'm going there after I finish with you guys.
2: Enjoy your pasta, yeah, enjoy yeah. your delicious Fult- pasta. Right
4: in the corner of Fulton and Moore Park?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're next to the uh, the open field. That's there. There's a there's an empty lot, and then there's a empty lot.
2: Oh well, I gotta. We'll do it in the studio sometime. I would. uh, uh, You're more than welcome. And uh, and I'm gonna put you on the spot because Richard Kind, who is also a member of that golf uh, club that you mentioned. Uh, every time I talk to Richard, and by the way, I don't golf as much as I used to. I used to. guy was on the golf team in high school. I don't golf as much like I used to him. Uh, not, uh, he's like, whenever I'm back in time, we're, we're going out the lakeside. We're going out the lakeside. That has not happened yet, Tom. <laughs>
4: I'm going to tell him about it. You, know, yeah. you, you don't want to play in my group because they gamble. You know, if two birds land on a fence, they bet a $1,000. Which one flies off first? <laughs>
2: okay, I'm out. <laughs> because, uh, I'm more than happy to
4: gamble. just not that kind of money. <laughs> oh, these guys. I mean, really, Who are you it, playing with? <laughs> I play with, uh, uh, They ironically, call it the Rat Pack, and it was called the Rat Pack before I was ever, you know, ever even in childrens They had a group that they called the Rat Pack for years and years since the gambling group. And so I played with a lawyer named Mike Flanagan. I played with a guy named Mike McVeigh, a guy named Chilton, I played with um, uh, oh, so somebody I played with uh, a guy named Justin Watson who was played for the uh, Rams. He was a backup to Marshall Um uh, uh, I mean, there's there's eighteen or twenty of them that they they mix and mingle, you know. Uh, I mean, it, 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 guys I play with once on, on the side with Joe Pesci is a member there and Andy Garcia and right. um, lot, there's a lot of a lot of guys in the industry there. that, that, that I play. With. But the money game is a real it's there's a lot of money. You could be on the 18th hole and you're putting for a putt like this that might be for like three or four, three or four grand, you know.
1: Jesus. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, because they play a skins game and, and yeah. then it, it, and you but you have to validate if you make this if you if you birdie the hole. And, and nobody else is, you're on the skins, but the next hole you have to par to validate. If you don't, someone can steal from you. Oh, and take wow. The so it usually goes to the 18th hole. Wow. And, by the way, we'll play like three groups. And so they're all in on the skins game.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> oh, it doesn't have to be a lot of money. By the way, I can guarantee I don't make that putt. I can guarantee <laughs> I don't make that putt.
4: I got to tell you, if you can walk out on it, I, 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 in my book, I describe that first Tonight Show, 26 million people watching the 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 the, the light. The, you know, you're back behind the curtain. Doc Severinsen's playing, and, and because they're in commercial break, and the telecorder leaves you alone. You're standing there, and all of a sudden, the music stops and your heart stops, because they we're coming back on live, and yeah. you feel something nudging your Adam's apple, and it's your asshole trying to get out. <laughs> <You
3: know? laughs>
2: <laughs> uh all right tom dreason's here let's go around the horn though let's get the uh uh garen give uh, uh, we'll learn more about you next episode garen what's going on in your life uh, go ahead and just give me uh, your answer on this if you would
0: uh i'm just gonna go with Alf. <laughs> <laughs> the element Alf. you know the he element. might have a a, a a real name that it, i don't recall it's right alien now. light alien life form that's yes. not his name, though. He could have a, uh, you know. His, some,
1: his real name he is. he Does G- have a name, but we've heard it. We it's know it's Gordon name. Shumway. It's
0: Gordon. There you go. Yeah. What? That's just me saying. I have no idea. Uh, Fair enough. So I'm I think, taking a swing. It's... Alf.
2: <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, all right. garen's on the board with Alf. I, my, my, by the way, my guess is no better. I don't know why I'm busting your balls. My <laughs> my thing's gonna be a swing and a miss too. Um, all right, Elliot, how are you with the Iron Dragon over there at Video Village? Uh, dealing right, with a bit of a cold, but little, uh, you're doing okay, cold. right?
3: I'm feeling fine, and now that I know that it's 80 degrees outside, i got 81 degrees, by the way, over here in uh, Palms. Thank you. Uh, that at least makes a mo- little more sense why I was a little warm. I thought it was, you know, cold outside. Right. So I'm like, why am I so warm? Eh, it's a little warm outside.
2: You know what's interesting? Our, our house either it, it keeps the heat in or keeps the cool in and today it kept the cool in from the night nice. and so when I, I went out to call my dad who's in westmont illinois by the way tom i mm. called my dad checking on he, how he's doing and i walked outside and literally i couldn't believe that it was 100 degrees outside it was it was as a, a shock to my system as it was to you elliot is my point
3: mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Could we agree? I'm fascinating.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Holy shit! Why do I think everything I say is interesting, um, Elliot? Uh, do you have a guess?
3: I have a guess. This is either ridiculously wrong, almost right, or spot on. So I'm going with kryptonium.
2: Kryptonium. Mm, that's a good All guess. Right. Matt yeah, says that's a good guess. Yeah, it is. A, I just uh, in my a,
3: head I couldn't remember if it's actually a real element. I know kryptonite is not real and krypton is not real right mm-hmm. but i think kryptonium is i think i think i think so, so too. yeah my
1: my uh, answer is similar the the only element i could think of that's in like an alien uh pop culture context but is also a real thing because it made me mad uh is in the movie avatar unobtainium uh is a oh. real element uh well,
3: it was it was named later though yeah
1: uh i don't know it's 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 it was in the movie and i didn't know it was a real thing so in the movie i was like what a stupid name for the thing that the that the characters are trying to obtain it's unobtainium and they're trying to obtain it that's so stupid like what what that's terrible writing and then i find out oh no it's actually a real element in that exists and so i was like okay well maybe it's it's not bad right it's just it's still a bad choice but it's not uh but i guess i had to um you know Give them some credit for looking so that did you, are you're choosing unobtainium i'm is going with, i'm going with That's a good answer
3: it's a good yeah. answer although i th- think it it's probably in the hundreds is my guess
1: yeah i mean
2: it, oh yeah there's no way that's 36 man <laughs> there's no way
3: that's I've, 36. i've
1: never known any of the things on the periodic table i don't care it seems like something you can just look up if you need to find sure out. that's why we well, have a table yeah <laughs> to that point is there uh, i'll give my answer now because it, it, it bleeds it leads in from what you just said
2: is there something on the uh the table uh e small big e a little t is there anything like that
3: on the periodic <laughs> table <laughs> there might be
1: because my guess is et so you're saying if you guess the letters, like the initials or, you know, the because like, then you I then, would give it. to I them. think that's a win. OK, considering that I don't have an effing clue. Yeah. Uh, other than, again, I, H2O is as close as I get. And again, I know those are two different ones.
2: And,
3: See, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to say that actually, it probably goes up to 180 now. I said 160. I think it's in the 180s. But oh boy, anyway,
1: what an idiot! This guy thought it was 160.
2: Yeah, you dumb fuck. You're trying to look smart, and it turns out you're a moron. We got Tom Dreese in here from the old uh, from the old country, <laughs>
4: <laughs> and from the old days too. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I want to say, that fucking Pardo stole my answer. So I well, no, you, can, you <laughs> can, Tom, you could still, know, still you say that, to, you, and okay, then I have to,
2: and then our bets play into it. No, my
4: my original, my original. Answer was I have no fucking idea what <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, the closest I've come to anything is I was in the movie Space Falls and I was trying to see if there was a
3: word in there. Uh, <laughs> that's as close as I've come to. Yeah. So, But I put down plutonium.
2: Plutonium. All right. So we got that's,
3: uh, uh, Pluto, what used to be a planet, it's still a dwarf planet.
2: Yeah, that's,
1: that's fair. Yeah.
2: That, all right listen uh all right let's get to the answer here let's get to the answer then we'll take a break we'll come back okay. we'll uh, get some more uh, stories from tom and then uh we'll go about our day and uh, forget this ever happened um uh by the way tom i don't know if you heard me matt tom is born in 1939 uh, this, this gentleman's 81 years old uh look, look how he's in great shape i know yeah. look at him he goes Still golfing yeah. this guy's a uh, a robot <laughs>
4: running out oh, when, you, when you read the book you, there's some great challenges that happened to me and I know and, and I and fought them back and, and I'm still fighting them back but that's what it's all about I mean you know it's, it's all about never giving up and and I'm, I'm as you know if you read the book I'm a motivation speaker as well I talk on four subjects perception visualization self-talk and develop a sense of humor and and I elaborate on those four subjects and I've been giving motivation talks for years but I also have given the comedians It's my favorite thing to do to stand up comedians. I do a a motivation talk called the joy of stand up comedy and how to get there. And because 85% of all stand up comedians I met in my life in my humble opinion are insecure, neurotic, sometimes psychotic, love (laughs) starved, wrecks, total wrecks. And the other 15% are gifted, confident people who say, I know how to write a joke and I know how to tell a joke. I like to think I'm in the latter, but never trust somebody that tells you they're sane. You know, right? <laughs> so, Agreed. So when these life challenges came to me in the last couple of years, some of the things I, I after the diagnosis and I realized what I had to face, I, when I got alone, when I got away with my family, I went in the bathroom and I looked in the mirror. I said, now you're going to have to practice what you've been preaching for years to people or you're a fucking phony. Yeah. You're full of shit. If you don't practice what you've been telling other people how to, you know, uh, get in charge of your thoughts, how to get in charge of self-talk and stuff. And, and that's what I did. I, I used those procedures and I and, I, uh, and also and I and I prayed to my higher power, you know, and asked for uh, help me through this. And I did and I got through it and and I'm still facing it. Yeah. It was a cancer I had, you guys. I'm, I felt like I was, it, but it's all in the book. But, but it's a But Tom,
2: you, in the book, you do say that they told you you didn't have much time to live. And this is a okay. couple of years ago. July 2018, I went to
4: USC with the experts there with my daughter. And I thought they were going to tell me uh, that I had a cancer like five years ago. And I, I went through chemo and I survived six months to chemo. I, I never lost my hair. I never missed a round of golf. I never missed a gig. You know, and I was doing hour and a half shows in my one man show, you know, right. but I never met. And, and so I got through it. So I thought they were telling me, they were going to tell me, oh, it's reoccurred and you're going to have to go through chemo again. So I was going with my daughter there and I thought, okay, they're going to, they're going to tell me this. And I was prepared. The two experts, a man and a woman, they were looking at these big screens in charge and looking at them, they're looking at the computer and they turned around and said to me, this doctor said to me, Mr. dreesen go home and put your affairs in order. And it sucked the air out of the room. My daughter gasped, and I and I was stunned. I said, "Are you telling me that I'm going to die?" He said, "Yes." I wow. said, "How much time do I have?" He said, "Only God knows that." I said, "Well, I'm going to ask God for a second opinion." <laughs> I said, "Because you don't know me, Doc. I don't give up like that." He said, "Well, that's good." I said, "I said I I don't give up that easy." But now I came back and I put together a support team. My friend, John Romeo, who wrote for Jay Leno for 24 years, my nephew, my road manager, my my daughters, and my, my road manager's wife and my, my uh, nephew's wife. And and they were on the computer. And we started researching everything that we could find and came across this. Uh, there was a very serious surgery called HIPEC. It's an acronym, H-I-P-E-C. An acronym. But anyhow, uh, there was only a couple people in, in the country that might pull this off. And one of them turned me down. My nephew got a hold of him in uh, Washington, D.C. He said, no, I wouldn't do that surgery on your uncle. He's way too old. He said, I wouldn't work on somebody half his age. And my, my nephew said, my uncle's in good shape. He said, I don't care. He said, I, it's a very serious. so there was a second one. Uh, I'm going to name drop here. Forgive me, but which is a good buddy of mine. He knew people at MD Anderson in Houston. He put me in touch with them. I contacted them, I told him, I said, there's a guy named Lowy, L-O-W-Y, in San Diego that could do this. Uh, uh, that, uh, so I, but have you heard about HiPEC? And the doctor there said, hey, he trained here at MD Anderson. Tom, do you want us to call him for you? I said, oh, yeah. And in 24 hours, I was down in San Diego. And he said to me, uh, yeah, he, well, he did a laparoscopy to me. He said, okay, I, I think I can do the surgery. I mean, I know I can do surgery. I think we can maybe buy you some time. Meanwhile, I played in the at and for three days a week before the surgery. You know, I, I, you know. Anyhow, long story short, I came out of surgery after s- almost seven hours, and uh, he said to me, "You're disease free." Wow, that's great! I, I said, "Doc, you saved my life. You're a genius." He said, "No, I'm not. I'm stubborn." I said, "Okay, I'll take that." You know, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. can it reoccur? Yes, it can reoccur. You know, and so that I, I, you live from CT scan to CT scan. But in the meantime, you know, I. I I live every day like it's the last day, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh cuz I got so much to be I we made this very modern. I'm sorry. But I got so much to be grateful for. All my dreams have come true. You guys 51 years I've been a stand-up comedian. I've had the most wonderful life making people laugh every day of my life was a joy. And by the way, that's one of the reasons I didn't tell the guys at my country club or anywhere. Cuz whenever I walk into a room they want to know what's the latest joke? What hey, give me a give me your latest joke. Or, you know, they, they they just through the years I've Always, even as a little boy, I love going into a room and making people laugh. Yeah. It just, so for me to have, let people know what was going on, what are they going to, they're going to look at me with these puppy eyes and go, are you all right? <laughs> he looks good, does he? Oh yeah, you look real good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to go through that bullshit. Yeah, so,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: You know, so anyhow, I, uh, I, I don't, I, I might be here till I'm a hundred years old and I might be t- uh, tomorrow. Who knows? But I can tell you this, it's been a wonderful, wonderful life. You know
2: tom if i can make it about me for a second i hope it's not tomorrow because i want to release this episode and i don't want any of that bullshit on me i don't want to go oh did we release the episode what do we do dreeson passed away you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. well until yeah, next week at least would you by the way by, by the way if it happened if it happens i hope they blame you if he did well
4: they will there's no doubt in my
2: mind they will, you, will. If you wouldn't have done that
4: fucking part oh shall we still be
2: with us that's right the stress part of provided uh all right here's your answer then we'll take a break and then we'll come up and we'll close it up with tom uh we do have a heart out and as a reminder i also have a on um all right here we go the answer is krypton it is krypton oh shit
3: so d- do do does d- is my answer close enough or is the, the
2: element is colorless odorless tasteless and is used in fluorescent lamps
1: hmm. well elliot you're the most pedantic so if you feel like you deserve that win <sighs> what did you say what would Man, you what, what was your
3: kryptonium. kryptonium i think i i i, think, I wouldn't yeah, give I, it to I, me you wouldn't oh, no. wait a minute let's do the jeopardy
4: by the way um uh, i'm looking up the word would you say uh krypton. pandemic no what was it <laughs> krypton uh, krypton krypton no no not krypton uh Matt. uh pedantic? Oh, unobtainium oh. you're the most
1: oh, pedantic oh pedantic, pedantic. pedantic. I, th-
3: I thought it was pandemic so. <laughs> I it was yes pandemic. i am the most pandemic as well you trust you know, me. I, I, like I would that. give it to him i really would
1: i would too and, I would and too, by the way but... tom
2: you're not wrong uh, elliot is a walking pandemic a virus <laughs> who sickens everybody when he shows up at a party um so wait it's well, I,
3: I will defer to you guys I, I will admit though that i probably i probably wouldn't give it to me you wouldn't give it if
2: you think you wouldn't give it uh dreesen's gonna get kicked to the curb with his uh, opinion here uh we don't need the jc's involving themselves in this um <laughs> I think, what did you say, Kryptonium?
3: I said Kryptonium, which is oh, not the same I, thing.
2: I, if you say it's not the same thing, I'm gonna take you at your
0: word and you do not win. Okay? Yeah, yeah I'm I, not. I just, I looked it up and the element itself is Krypton.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Okay, not. so he's wrong. He's, yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's. a hard... I don't think
3: Trebek would give it to me.
1: No, he would not, he would not. You're wrong, okay,
3: yeah. you're wrong. All right. I was the closest of everybody, so I can take no that There's no question you were the
1: closest. Me. Well, but now we have to find out what everybody bet, and so. Oh,
3: well, I lost.
2: <laughs> What'd you bet?
1: 25 25
2: matt what'd you bet i bet two wait yeah, nice. uh, what, what, what'd you do garen 12 12 tommy i fucking met i bet five. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, five and i i went with 13 because i'm an idiot i don't know science what am i
3: doing <laughs> you know weird things
2: well that i do but science i don't know Damn. uh and again Damn. my son will get a talking to for this question uh all right oh, let's, so let's take a break and when we come back we'll uh, we'll, uh, we'll finish it up we'll get a couple of stories from tom and uh wait so what tom, wait, hang on a second in my uh, attempt to wrap up the segment and go to a break i guess it uh, was lost on me did matt just win yeah. yes <laughs> yeah tom what you don't know is that this <laughs> asshole wins almost every week
0: I, I,
4: can't, I, can't, I ran second. Is there a, a
0: consolation prize? Brag about it to your golf buddies. That's all you <laughs> no, can do. Uh, 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 let's give it to, uh, Elliot. Elliot's basically said crypto. You know what? Elliot's <laughs> yeah, it right. Yeah, 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 no, that's yeah, a good point. He, he basically <laughs> said
1: crypto. <laughs> yeah, I had, you had your chance,
3: Elliot. I know you would have let it go, but I, I have to be honest. You asked me what I would say, and yeah. that's what I would say.
2: You are nothing. Uh, honestly, you're the most honest group of people I've ever met in my entire life. So, mm. uh, if, if, if that's how you believe it, that's what you believe it. All right, listen. Uh, Again, I just used 19 words when I could have used one. Uh, Let's take a break. We'll be back
1: right after this. Hey, guys, Matt, here with some dates for you. Tom Dreesen's on Twitter at Tom Dreesen Comic, and his book Still Standing is out now. Sounds amazing. Uh, I love the history of stand-up comedy. Uh, you probably do, too, from listening to the show. And uh, it, Jimmy says it's it's full of great stories, and, and Tom has told some of those stories here. So uh, I can't wait to read it and, and get some more of the that good stuff from the old days of stand-up comedy uh, back where, you know, it all started. He was there, so that's exciting. Um, Jimmy Pardo is doing stand-up comedy himself. In the Flappers Zoom Room, that's November 20th, 7 p.m. Pacific Time show. Go to FlappersComedy.com to get tickets to that show. And uh other than that, what can I say? We got a new t-shirt at Podswag. If you want to check it out, there's three colors. It's our new Never Not Funny logo on a shirt. And there's a couple of different shades of blue. And uh what's the other one? I can't picture the third color, but uh they're all great. Uh you're probably gonna to want to buy all of them, so go to Podswag.com slash never not funny to pick that up and enjoy. Matt,
2: I'm going to quote my listen. I've told you they're one of my favorite bands. Aha. Yeah. They have a song called hunting high and low. You know, I'll be hunting high and low. They do it better than that. (laughs) Uh, But you know what? I know that you and I do the same thing. We hunt high and low to find 100 percent grass fed finished beef, free range, organic chicken, heritage breed pork.
1: And uh, for Danielle, uh, wild caught salmon. It's hard to do that at the grocery store, isn't it? Well, especially now when you don't really want to maybe be in a grocery store for a prolonged period of time uh, hunting around. You want to limit your indoor uh, time with uh, strangers. And uh, so I, you know, I just go ButcherBox. Uh, just forget it. Let, let them bring the meat to me. You know what? You, you nailed it. Luckily, today's
2: sponsor, ButcherBox, believes everyone deserves high-quality, humanely-sourced meats. ButcherBox couldn't be easier. You just sign up. You select your box, and they ship it right to your door every month. And when you sign up right now, You get their steak sampler with six grass-fed, grass-finished steaks. Nice. Because the best steak night is free steak night, buddy. (laughs) Absolutely. Boy, do I love steak. I have not had a steak. uh, And maybe ButcherBox will solve this problem for me, but I have not had a steak since this pandemic started. Oh, my God. Because of...
1: you know, yeah, you're not going to restaurants and uh, you don't like cooking meat in your house. That's right.
2: But when I do go to a restaurant, I get a steak because I don't uh, generally uh, get that at the home. But I, now Butcher Box will solve that problem. Every month, Butcher Box is going to ship a curated selection of high quality meat right to your home. No added antibiotics or hormones ever. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat. That's enough for 24 individual meals. Now, that could be 12 days. Maybe you want to do lunch and dinner with mm-hmm. that. Maybe you want to do uh, spread that out over 24 meals.
1: Mm hmm. Maybe Maybe if there's bacon involved, you're bringing in breakfast into the mix. Maybe there's 12 people in your house and that's just two dinners well that's a great point that's a well that's a lot of that's a lot of people you're running an <laughs> orphanage i'm taking uh, I'm, t- I'm taking people and it's mostly mostly uh wild dogs but uh they love the they love the steaks too i mean you, you should see them when the steak starts cooking they go crazy
2: oh i would imagine and, and by the way i know that uh, that, that song wild dogs by duran duran scares you so i don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we're moving on from that quickly wild,
1: wild dogs. dogs always bark. Hey.
2: all right listen you can customize uh, your box or go with one of theirs either way You're going to get exactly what you want. I say it again. It is a no brainer. It's the best meat shipped right to your door, which means one less trip to the grocers. And you got options like 100% grass fed and finished beef. As I mentioned, the organic, the free range, organic chicken, the heritage pork, the wild caught Alaska salmon and sugar slash nitrate free bacon. Yeah, baby. That's the best. It's the way meat should be, man. Mm -hmm. It's the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat from ButcherBox. You get the highest quality meat for just about six bucks a meal. And they even have free shipping nationwide, except Alaska
1: and Hawaii. But Alaska's covered. They got the salmon right there, man. <laughs> yeah, just step outside your door and uh, stick your hand out. The f- salmon jumps into your hand. In fact, they can't wait to get into that uh, griddle. Is that <laughs> how you do a salmon griddle? Sure, that's one way. Uh, now, listen. For a
2: limited time, new members get six free grass-fed, grass-finished steaks when they go to butcherbox.com/pardo. Now, let me break that down for you, Matt. You're going to get two New York strips. Mm-hmm. And four top sirloins added to your first box for free. Nice. Act quickly. This offer is only good through Cyber Monday. That is six grass-fed, grass-finished steaks for free in your first box. Just go to butcherbox.com/pardo. That is butcherbox.com/pardo. B-U-T-C-H-E-R-B-O-X.com/pardo. Butcherbox. A better way to meet. Matt, let's talk about our buddies over there at Quip. They got this great new flossy thing that I want to
1: talk about with yeah, you. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's very cool.
2: Now, listen, These you see these plastic floss picks and stuff. I, I, admittedly, I have them in my car, and then uh, you got to throw them away, and it just mucks everything up. Uh you know, the equip uh, has this new thing that you and I were talking about before we started uh, talking uh, uh, with microphones in front of our faces. Yeah. Uh,
1: and how cool this thing is. It's very cool. It looks like, at uh, least notice that it, it kind of looks like an earbud case, like a, like you have uh, your Raycons or something. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a little bigger, but it's, it's, it's got a cool snapshot, like almost, a, like I think it's a magnetic snapshot case. Uh, and then on the inside, you've got the, the, the holder and, and then this thing, you just, you, you pop, you press the Q on the holder, and it opens up the, the mouth of the guy, and then you snap down, grab your floss, snap it shut, and then you pull and and uh, cut off that little segment. And then you're only using that amount of floss, just the amount of from, from point A to point B on the grabber. And you're not wasting floss, you're not wasting reusable plastic uh, doodads, and uh, and then that, that the spool underneath is easily replaceable too. So uh, it's great, it's genius it's also fun it's fun it to is. everything you just described is fun to do yeah and uh it, you kind of look forward
2: to flossing which i think we could all agree nobody looks forward to flossing <laughs>
1: right exactly
2: right so you get it in there you press that cue. you open it up you get in there you cut it down and then before you know it you're flossing mm-hmm. and uh and you're singing a song man with, with fresh teeth <laughs> uh now listen you know quip it's the electric toothbrush that we talk about all the time it's got the sleek. Uh, look well now they got the sleek reusable floss pick that you'll want next. Uh, as we mentioned, it's got a durable handle uh, that is easy to guide. Restrings with a click comes with a compact
1: mirror. Did you forget to mention the mirror, Matt? Oh yeah, inside the case is a little mirror. So if little
2: you're- mirror. If you're out on a date, mm-hmm. right? If we're ever out of this COVID, you're on a date. And you got a little something. You pop that up and you got a little mirror right there. You get up in your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the single refill pod that replaces over 180 single-use plastic flossers, so it's better for your teeth and the environment. All right, so this is, uh, let me tell you this. If you're not a pick person, Quip also has a refillable floss string that expands to clean. Pair your floss with the perfect electric toothbrush. Uh, Quip has the simple guiding features you like. Uh, It's got the timed uh, sonic vibrations. Uh, You can personalize your routine with over nine premium brush colors. Matt, you were talking about uh, making them of those soccer team colors that you like your your Quip brush.
1: Yeah, well, because uh, now I have the black handle with the because it has the Bluetooth sync thing. So they, they have Quip has an app which lets you track your brush progress and and actually earn rewards, which is pretty cool. Um, but the handle on that one's black, so I was thinking if I could get a gold top part with the black handle, that would be like LAFC black and gold. But uh, now I just got a, 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 a re- just one of my regular replacements. And so now now mine's black and white, which also looks pretty cool. Uh,
2: so uh, I'd like to talk about this further with you off the air. But the point is this. <laughs> okay. uh, Quip is uh, fantastic. We all use them. Everybody here in my family uses them. The Bellnaps use it, We like the Quip. And now we like this Quip Floss as well uh got as matt mentioned, it has got that uh that new app the free quip app that you can get uh so you can get amazing rewards like free products and discounts uh as you track and coach better oral health habits two minutes a day twice a day uh quip also delivers brush head floss and toothpaste refills every three months from five dollars shipping is free so you can save money and skip the store uh bring delight to your everyday brushing and join over five million mouths brushing with quip starting at twenty five dollars now here's your cta if you go to getquip.com slash pardo right now, you will get your first refill free. That is G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash pardo, and you will get your first refill for free. Uh, uh, quip has better oral health made simple. Getquip.com slash pardo. Uh, again, I use it. Matt uses it. I'm now using this new floss thing. I'm on board with Quip. I'm on board with
1: the app. I like everything about Quip. I'm a Quip guy, Matt. Yeah, me too. I'll, I'm, I'll Quip all day uh well it's quip this quip that quip everywhere you want to go quip
2: quip mcdonald had a farm if you get uh, go to get quip.com slash pardo right now get your first refill free get quip.com slash pardo quip a better way to floss and brush Hey everybody, welcome back to the program episode 2713. Uh, Tom Dreesen is here. He, uh, uh, he just went out and played a round of golf in that break. That's, uh, <laughs> that's how active Tom Dreesen is. Uh, those uh, those uh, high state gamblers of his uh, grabbed him by the arm. They said, come out and play a quick nine. And he, uh, he did nine holes. In order to that break. Yeah. Uh, now, Tom, you're actually, uh, you mentioned doing the AT&T uh, Pebble Beach. You're actually a great golfer, right? You're like a scratch golfer. No, no, no!
4: Many years ago, I was at three handicap, as low as I got. I, I played on a tour called the Celebrity Players Tour. It was basketball, baseball, football, hockey, tennis, and show business people that were ten handicapper below. Okay, so it was like Johnny Bench, Mike Schmidt, Mario Lemieux, John Elway, Dan Marino, Michael Jordan. We had forty-two Hall of Famers. And, uh, and, you know, tennis players, Yvonne Lindell and Connors. And, but uh, in show it was uh, Matt Lauer, Brian Gumbel, um, me, uh, Smokey Robinson, uh, Frankie Avalon played for a while, uh, Eddie Marino, people like that. Jack Wagner actually was the best celebrity golfer that I've yes. ever met in my life. Uh, he, uh, could, but, uh, he should
2: have been on tour, don't you think? He was good enough well, to be no, on tour? Were,
4: no, 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 because that's always a misnomer. I've had so many people tell me, look at this golfer. He should have been on tour. I played in the Bob Hope Classic for since 1977. I played in the AT&T. When you get around those pros, you realize it's different. Okay, the best the, a, a plus two handicap at Lakeside couldn't even make the cut. You know, Rick Roden, by the way, won millions of dollars on our tour the celebrity players tour. Then he went out to play in the seniors tour and he, he made a couple of cuts and that was all. Wow. Uh, uh, so it that's a whole different level. You know, it's like it's like going from Jimmy Pardo's stand up comedy to Tom Dreesen. It's just a
2: <laughs> fast. <laughs> right. What, what one guy is true to his art form and the other guy is selling out because Sinatra told him to. I get it. <laughs> exactly. I get it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah.
4: How you did you have,
2: go to go ahead, Tom? I'm sorry. I would just say you don't have big
4: enough lips to kiss Frank's ass.
2: <laughs> I, there's no doubt about that. He would have he had me whacked. No, uh, anyway, that was
4: one of the reasons I stayed with Frank all those years. I, I'm serious. He never knew how much in awe of him I was. I I, I, I picked up on him when I first started touring with him. I picked up that he had millions of fans. He didn't want another fan. You know, he he, he had millions of fans. He wanted a pal, a buddy. And and, and I was a hangout guy. I I was a bartender and all those other kinds of things. And and I I, I, I grew up on the streets like he did. I grew up around saloons like he did, you know. And so I I picked up. But he never knew that. I, I thought he was incredible. This guy... There wasn't, it's hard to describe the talent that Frank Sinatra had. When you think, not forget about this, going to the studio 1,431 times of 1,200 original songs, forget about all of this, the greatest pop singer of all time. He, he, what an actor he won the academy award he never studied acting one night sitting with Gregory Peck Sidney Poitier of uh, Clint Eastwood uh, Robert Wagner uh, Jack Lemon, Kirk Douglas they were all at his house and they were talking film it was like two o'clock in the morning and I was fascinated I was sitting in the back just like a fly on the wall these are people I saw in the movies at the Harvey Theater right. and they're talking film but they were showing so much reverence to Frank and it just fascinated me you know that that i said to, to frank in the middle of it i said did you study acting because you know people brag i i, I studied with uh, uh straussberg i said with stella adler i was just curious who he studied with. and gregory peck grabbed my arm he said acting lessons would have ruined him he was a diamond in a rough you didn't fool with you know this man won the academy award never studied acting he, he, he should have won it in the man with the golden arm what about the man kennedy he did 61 films, you know. When you gave Frank Sinatra a song to him, it was a script. What did the writer feel the night the writer took pen in hand? He would immerse himself in the lyric, and you would feel that. You would feel that. There's a song, if a woman ever leaves you and you're at a bar, and there's a song uh, that comes out of jukebox, there's a song he sings called If You Go Away, before that song's over, you'll put a gun in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, this, this he, he And he sang the joy of songs. This man at age 78 sold out in Japan 20,000-seat arenas. How many people, you know, he's the only male artist ever to record in seven decades, Mm -hmm. you know, in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. There's only one female artist who did that was Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, He he danced with Gene Kelly, for God's sake. You know, I, I saw Pavarotti around him in awe. Right. In awe. He's in the same room with Frank Sinatra. You know, I, 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 I mean, it's just amazing the, the, this mystique he had about him. Yeah. If, there, if we, if I went somewhere with him, there was a thousand people in the room. He would stand in one spot. Before the night's over, they would all gravitate to him, including the president of the United States. Wow. He had this magnetism. Now, was he a saint? No, but he did a lot of saintly things. You know. Mm-hmm. But, but again, he was a street guy, and that's the way I. When we got alone in the car at night, when I'd be driving around the desert with him till the sun came up, he never went to bed till dawn. That in, when we were in a car, he was a kid from Hoboken and I was a kid from Harvey. And that's the way we talked about, you know, about things, you know. But but again, it, it, he never knew how much in awe of him I was.
2: That is, uh, you know, Tom, I, and we're short on time here, but I, I just want I, as, as a comic, I have a question for you. Performing in front of 20, 40,000 people, and they're not there to see you necessarily. They're there to see Frank. And here's Tom Dreesen first. And you go out. And you're performing, I mean, that's a that's a huge room. That's, you know, I, 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 could even, I couldn't even imagine performing to a room that big. Would, would you get, if you got heckled, would you hear the heckler? Would you ever get heckled? Or would somebody at a Sinatra show uh, have so much respect for the venue and, 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 and the event that they wouldn't? Two things. One, one thing, I don't know, I'll try to get
4: this quick. I give classes of comedians. If you're in a room with 20,000 people and some asshole down front wants to heckle you, you ain't going to ditch your show for that jerk. <laughs> but you. if, you're to, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to go to him, then first of all, you better have some ammunition, but better. uh, Second of all, you repeat everything he says back through the microphone, right? You don't come back with that quick, fast line and and, and three people around him laugh because you left the audience out. Never leave the audience out of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So whatever he said, I I would repeat it through the microphone. But oftentimes I'd give him so much rope that he was going to hang him. I first had to establish to the audience and to myself, he might be just a nice guy saying we love you, and you thought he said "fuck you." Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you, you so you, you have to qualify the, the heckler and, and and I'd make him repeat back. And, forth, and now, if he was an asshole, now the whole room knows this guy's an asshole. <laughs> so now my line when I nail him is gonna make sense, and they're gonna be on my side. So that's one thing. You know, the other thing uh, uh, is that, that, that uh, about uh, hecklers about working in front of twenty thousand seats. When you walk out in front of a 20,000 seat arena and you're right, they didn't come to see me. First of all, all the lights go down low and people go, oh, and then the orchestra, ba ba da da and they go, oh, they think Frank's coming out. <laughs> yeah. And then they introduce me. There's a comedy <laughs> service, of people, oh, you're on your way to the stage in here. And oh my God, oh, I thought it was Frank. You know, like, <laughs> first thing you gotta do, you gotta take control of that stage. Don't open with your A material. You gotta bring them here. Now, if there's 20,000 people in the arena, 3,000 are looking for their sheets. So when you get on the stage they're all around me I, I, I first thing I'd get up there I'd say how many people out there thought that Frank Sinatra was coming out applaud those who thought Frank was coming out and they'd applaud I say I know just how you feel I'm a little bit disappointed myself uh-huh. <laughs> the joke's on me now I didn't say raise your hand I said applaud then I say how many of you out there in this arena for your very first time now I'm, I'm talking all around me because they're all around they're on my left, right, behind. I say, how many of you people in this arena are, are in this arena for your very first time? Applaud. And they'd applaud. I say, how many of you people out there uh, are seeing Frank Chantel live your very first time? Applaud. And they'd applaud. I say, how many people aren't there wearing any underwear? Applaud. You, know, what, you know? Now, you know, I talk, you react. I didn't say raise your hand. I got to get your. Re- I talk, you react. I talk. I'm schooling them. When yeah, I talk, yeah. you react. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. See, now, now I got them. And then I would do a couple jokes about the area. I would always write some original jokes about Louisville, Kentucky, or wherever we were, you know. And uh, and 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 then so I had local jokes, and then I'd go into my A material. Yeah, but you first got to get them in your head. Now I'll tell you one other thing. In Atlanta, Georgia, night the Fox Theater, I had a heckler in the theater. We were doing four nights there, so they had only like like two thousand people a night in this theater. But some guy howled out. I walked out, and I'm doing my show. I did only a couple of jokes, and a guy howled out. Where's Frank Sinatra? And without hesitation, I said, he's outside looking for your manners. Love it. And, <laughs> and, 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 and Frank loved that line. Frank always reminded me of it because he always listened to the show. But again, about hecklers, you got to really be careful about them because sometimes you might have a guy. I'll give you another quick story. At the Riviera Hotel one night, a guy down front, Italians, we call him Gabon. He's a Gabon. He's got the beads and the chains on. He's got two hot looking chicks next to him. And the Riviera had like 1,200 people in the room. Now, I'm not going to ditch my show for this show Every time I got near him, the girls would be laughing. He said, You like this guy? This guy sucks. And and, and I heard him, you know. Now, I, I work stage left, I work stage right. Now, every time I got near him, he said, I can't believe you like this guy. This guy sucks. Now, I could have stopped my show and dealt with this guy, but I knew he was a Gavon, you know. So I let him keep doing it. Now, but I finished my show. You've been a wonderful audience, and they're all cheering nice. And I took a bow, and when you take a bow left about center stage about right and exit stage right when i got in front of him i bowed to the audience and i said to the girls you like this guy this guy sucks and i said
2: good night <laughs> love, <it. laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> love it all right tom dreeson's book is called still standing uh, and, and tom you mentioned it earlier when we're back in the studio uh, in sherman oaks we'd love to have you back on and, and hear more of these stories and and be able to be, do it in person uh, uh and hopefully we'll be able to do that sometime soon I like um,
4: that. I really like that. Thank, guys. I really enjoyed this. I really did. I, I hope you did. I hope
2: oh, I did. loved it. I yeah. loved every second of it. And I could listen to these stories. Uh, literally, if it, 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 those old days of you talking about going to Cantor's. Uh, I would have loved to have been in that booth and just listened to all these you and Boozler and Jay and Dave and all those guys just talking about what I grew up watching on TV. I just love all the stories and and getting it from a you know a guy who's as local as I am, Oak Forest to Harvey is you know again just a few miles away so it's uh, it's it's all relatable um all right but tom don't run away we, we'll say goodbye to you off the air uh but elliot i know you got to run so let's get out of here uh all right everybody thank you so much for listening we'll see you next uh, time on the podcast uh on behalf of the pop culture there he is garen cockrell at video village that's the iron dragon elliot hookberg holding now the 40 never not funny headquarters in sherman oaks california that's matt uh, belknap also in sherman oaks california that's our friend tom dreesen i am jimmy pardo stay safe you guys we'll see you next time on the podcast ak47 okay. gone not forgotten